Blog Talk Radio. It was supposed to be one of the epic games of the 2016 college football season. Miami and Notre Dame. But some little things got in the way over the first weeks of the season. The Irish and the Hurricanes have each struggled. Notre Dame has been a train wreck so far this season, starting out 2-5. and five. The Hurricanes have fallen apart, as they always seem to do, after losing to Florida State, dropping two more games in rapid-fire succession to North Carolina and Virginia Tech to fall to 4-3 and three and pretty much out of the ACC conference race. So we are left to reminisce about days of the past, like October 15, 1988, when the Miami-Notre Dame rivalry mattered more than anything else in college football. This sparkling jewel in South Bend, Indiana, is a cradle of football memories, home to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Their legend lives in the immortal names. Coach Newt Rockney, a storied backfield known as the Four Horsemen. It's a brand of pageantry that simply means tradition. The Fighting Irish have evolved into college football's most famous team, and today they hope to write another chapter. Hurricanes are the nouveau riche of college football. They are the team of the 80s, winning two national championships in the last five years. They are still number one, and today they will take on all of Notre Dame's tradition and seek their 37th straight regular season victory. Two teams, two eras are about to clash. Number one Miami plays number four Notre Dame on CBS. come to Notre Dame to play football, you dream of Saturday afternoons like this. Gorgeous weather, the Golden Dome sparkling in the background, sellout crowd at Notre Dame Stadium. And when you play football at Miami, these are the kind of games you can't wait to play. Inside the stadium, it's the toughest ticket in sport this weekend. All morning long, fans have been milling around outside Notre Dame Stadium. Actually, ever since last year when Miami beat Notre Dame 24 to nothing down in the Orange Bowl here in South Bend and throughout the Midwest, Notre Dame fans have been waiting for this rematch. You really don't have to build this one up very much, do you? You know how high the stakes are. Miami, to win back-to-back national championships, needs this one. Notre Dame, to get back to the top, they have to beat the Hurricanes. You also know that there have been hostilities between these two schools, bad feelings. Uh, They feel Miami ran up the score. And, of course, Miami reacting angrily the way Jimmy Johnson's telephone number was published. Short time ago, the coaches meeting at midfield, shaking hands. We thought the hostilities had died. But then, as the Hurricanes were leaving the field, an ugly few moments down there in the end zone. Pushing and shoving broke out. There was some kicking. Police had to step in, and finally the Hurricanes were escorted back inside the locker room. So I guess we can truthfully say, as we get ready for this game, these two teams still don't like each other. College football had never seen anything like it. They were brash. They were confident. They were cocky. The Miami Hurricanes brought a swagger to college football that had never been seen before. It was a reflection 
their head coach, Jimmy Johnson. We got 75,000. There's one in every seat. And they came here to see hurricane football. Offense, defense, the kicking game. Let's go like a bunch of crazy men and play some games. Our guys had that kind of uh, confidence. They had that kind of feeling that we're going to go out there and we're going to dominate the game. In the 1980s, Miami entered a series of battles with Notre Dame in a heated but brief rivalry. Well, in 1985, Jerry Faust's last game, of course, uh, Notre Dame traveled down to the Orange Bowl and just got pummeled by Miami 58-7. Notre Dame fans will tell you they feel Jimmy Johnson ran the score up. They feel they he just pushed Notre Dame's face in the dirt and just rubbed it in and rubbed it in and rubbed it in. Lou Holtz replaced Faust in 1986, and when the series with Miami resumed in 87, Notre Dame was ranked number 10 in the nation. The Hurricanes were undefeated and ranked number two. Again, Miami crushed the Irish 24 to nothing en route to the national championship. The following season, the Canes were once again led by quarterback Steve Walsh, who had won all 19 of his starts as the Miami Signal Corps. They were both undefeated, and Miami was ranked number one in the country. There is no game that I can ever recall at Notre Dame Stadium where the animosity for the other team was so high and the intensity amongst the Notre Dame fans was so uh, immense. This was the famous game where t-shirts were printed, Catholics versus convicts. You can't spell scum without uh, U-M. Uh, can you read this poster? Uh, the Miami players can't. It all exploded before the game. They line up for their stretch right at the tunnel, right where you come out. And so they're right there in your way. And next thing you know, there's a bunch of pushing each other. Well, with our players, with our the attitude of our guys, they weren't going to be intimidated by anybody. You know, guys are getting kicked, guys are getting elbows, guys are getting drilled up against the walls of the tunnel. Both teams go back into their locker room, and the Notre Dame players are going nuts. And Holtz comes in, and Holtz says, I want you to focus on this game. I want you to play football. But if there's a fight, save Jimmy Johnson for me. It was a moment of genius because the Notre Dame players went nuts again. to the Irish in the third quarter. Touchdown, Notre Dame! They recaptured the lead, 31-20. to 20. But the Canes stormed back again. In the fourth quarter, the whole game was played on Notre Dame's half of the field. Steve Walsh was just destroying Notre Dame's defense. It was almost as if Miami was playing hockey and they had a power play for 15 minutes. After cutting the lead to 31-24, to 24, Miami faced a fourth and seven at the Notre Dame 11 a little over seven minutes remaining in the game. Jimmy Johnson decided to go for it. What ensued was the game's most controversial play. Miami puts it down. Notre Dame pounces on the loose ball. Walsh is quickly there. Was he called down? Notre Dame ball. They have fumbled at the one-yard line. Jimmy Johnson furious. He puts the ball down and the ball comes out. I don't see how they call that uh, a fumble. He's over the middle. It looks like he's going in. Ball's on the ground. He's spinning. It's still, to this day, it's hotly debatable. 
Miami turned the ball over seven times. Miami was either going to turn the ball over or they were going to score. They punted one time in the entire game. Remarkably, Miami got another shot. Facing a third and long, Tony Rice was hit and fumbled the ball. Miami ball inside the 15-yard line. Walsh and the Kings. The game came down to one final fourth down play. doubt that uh, Jimmy Johnson was going for two. This was Miami. They don't go for ties in Miami. After the Irish recovered the onside kick, they knelt on the ball and the game was over. Notre Dame 31, Miami 30. The Hurricanes would not win in Notre Dame Stadium again. They were beaten badly when they returned in 1990, and then the Irish abruptly decided to cancel the series. Saturday at 3.30 p.m., the Miami Hurricanes return once again to Notre Dame Stadium 26 years later. The players who will compete on Saturday were not even born when Miami-Notre Dame mattered. And the losing of both teams may have taken away the sparkle from Saturday's game. But for those purists among us, Miami-Notre Dame is still Miami-Notre Dame. Nothing will be able to take that away this week as kickoff approaches. We'll talk about that and so much more tonight as we embark on a new edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to the fastest three hours in Hurricane Sports. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. As always, we have more than 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. You know the drill. You hit the number one on your keypad after you call in if you would like to come on the show. That sends us a prompt. You go in the queue in the order that you land there, and we'll bring you on. Tonight's show is not about therapy. Tonight's show is about reality. Before we get started, I wanted to touch a little bit on the events of the past couple weeks as Miami has gone from 4-0 and in the top 10 Back to irrelevance with three consecutive losses. First, let's talk about the defense. In no way, shape, or form should the performance at Virginia Tech last Thursday night diminish the progress that has been made on this side of the ball so far this season. The kids were simply out of gas by the second quarter, riddled by injuries and having to play too many snaps during this losing stretch due to the struggles of the offense. Miami simply had nothing left in the tank. I'll be very surprised if they don't come back with a much better showing Saturday at Notre Dame defensive side of the ball. Then there's the offense. We knew going into the season that the offensive line was the biggest issue on the team. They've been horrendous the past couple games and have taken down Mark Richt and Brad Kaya and everyone else with them. Let's throw a few things out there to ponder. How can the honeymoon 
between Mark Richt and so many segments of the Canes Nation be over already? He's going through his first full cycle with this team. He didn't recruit pretty much any of these players, with the exception of maybe a couple freshmen who weren't already on the commit list when he got the job. He has a new coaching staff, all working together for the first time. He's seeing the ACC as a conference for the first time, gaining an understanding of the coaches that he must beat each year and the standard of play. None of that is an excuse, but it is reality. So is the state of the Hurricane roster. The offensive line is clearly substandard for this level of play. Miami also has a shortage of receivers. You notice that Stacey Coley and Amon Richards are pretty much the only two guys doing a whole heck of a lot. And then there's the Brad Kaya situation. Kaya was the second best quarterback on the field the last three games, any way we slice it and dice it. A lot of that is not his fault. But Miami is a team in conflict with itself right now. The offensive line is simply not good enough to support an immobile quarterback who needs a clean pocket to be effective in the current state that it's in. Kaya breaks down when that doesn't happen. His efficiency and stats are astonishingly poor whenever he's harassed in the pocket. Could Mark Richt have done some things better? to try to survive at least one to two of these recent losses? Does Miami have a chance to win every game it plays, even with this offensive line and the current state of the roster? There's no question about it. Rick's not looking for excuses. He certainly doesn't make them, and we're not going to start making excuses for him or anybody else tonight on this show. Mark Rick has pointed the finger at himself the last two weeks, very well aware that he was unable to put his team in the best position to win conference games that were winnable despite all of the problems that he inherited. But make no mistake, there is no margin of error for Rick, for Kaya, for the offense, or anybody else associated with this team. There also is not a quick fix. The reality is that rebuilding this offensive line is probably going to be a three-year process, and that's if things go well. That's reality. You're not going to get wholesale true freshmen coming into the program next fall who are going to suddenly be ready to be significantly better than what you're seeing right now. So Mark Rick's going to have to adjust, um, and I, I think that you have to have the understanding that he was kind of blindsided by this whole thing. The team was playing pretty well earlier in the year. They didn't play poorly against Florida State, just made too many mistakes to win. So really, this all came upon him in a five-day stretch, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, when the offense was just abysmal and everything fell apart. So the real danger zone for Richt, in my opinion, is not a bad call here or there. It's to keep himself from thinking too far ahead, knowing what it will take to get this roster right. Even in its current state, Miami can be plenty competitive in every game, and it needs Rick to avoid falling into a trap where the roster deficiencies become too much of a focus of the coaching staff. They must be a part of the solution by finding ways to overcome these deficiencies, score more points, and win as many games as possible this season. And if they can get to that eight or nine win threshold, I think everybody out here will feel a little bit better about things than they feel right now. But it all starts Saturday at Notre Dame. 
So what can Rick do beginning on Saturday to get this offense going in the right direction? I think he can get more aggressive on early downs. If the defense is teeing off on Kaya in obvious passing situations, the line's going to have a tough time holding up. We've seen that. But maybe Rick can take advantage of the run-pass mystery inherent on first down and throw the ball down the field a little bit more. That strategy worked at times against Virginia Tech. I think we're going to see it a lot on Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium. Maybe he can use motion to make the defense think a little bit more and allow the receivers to get better releases off the line. To my eye, they've been struggling against press coverage, and that has a lot to do with why you see Brad Kaya holding the ball so long. He's going through his progressions, and he's not seeing open guys. Maybe Joe Yearby and Mark Walton can be in the game at the same time. When the offense fails on a first down pass, Maybe Rick can stay aggressive on second down and not worry about running the ball to try to get a short pickup with with the running game to set up a manageable third down that the offense has been struggling to convert anyway. Maybe he can mix up formations to make it harder for the defense to tee off, use more crossing routes to free receivers, call for more quick slants. Maybe he could throw in some jet sweeps with Braxton Berrios and Stacey Coley getting the ball. Maybe a reverse from time to time. Maybe he can use the screen game a little bit more. Those are just a few thoughts that I came up with. I look forward to hearing everyone else's opinions tonight as the show continues. As always, we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to submit questions and topics that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. They came up with an awful lot. I'm going to go through it right now, and I'll try to comment on some of them as we do. Has Mark Rick not made changes in his play calling yet, and might he never, because he feels that building an offensive identity is the most important thing to him, more so than trying to scheme his way to maybe one more victory in a season where the team is clearly not going to win a big prize? And if so, is that a mistake? Um, I don't think that's the case. I, I, you know, I think Mark Rick has a way that he likes to win, and he believes in, in running the football and, and building his offense around a quality running game. And uh, we saw it work quite well early in the season against inferior competition. Now, the offensive line has not held up well as the competition has gotten better, and I think you're going to see Mark Rick, hopefully you're going to see Mark Rick adjust, maybe in some of the ways that I just mentioned. I think he would love to build an identity. I think by now, after three straight losses, there's the reality that he can't build an identity with things the way they currently are. You know, now it is about winning games. It's about getting bowl eligible. It's about setting yourself up for the best postseason possible. Um, And I think that's how he has to approach each and every week here for the rest of the season. The next thought, a lot of investment went into Mark Rick and the staff. If it doesn't work out, where does Miami go? Well, that's not even an issue right now. The investment is just beginning to be made. Mark Richt has a six-year contract at about $4.1 million a year. Um, the financial commitment has been made for his coaching staff. You're getting ready to begin construction of an indoor practice facility uh, that he's very much a part of, that he's donated his own money towards. Um, Mark Rick's not going anywhere. So um, I don't think it not working out is even a, a, a topic for right now because you don't know how it's going to work out. Um, the, the, judging how it works out is going to be, you know, two, three, four 
even five years down the road, uh, quite honestly, I mean, when you can really cast a judgment on what Mark Rick's been able to get done at Miami. So this is just the beginning. Uh, this is what he inherited. This is what he's having to work with. And um, I, I just think, I think it's very unfair to judge him like that in the big picture. I do think you can judge him on an individual game basis. And let's face it, two games in a row, he has not had good nights at the office. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I think he really struggled with, with his play calling. I think he struggled to get a feel for what would work in those ball games. And the offense was just, you know, clearly nowhere close to good enough uh, to get it done. Do the fans have the patience to wait another 24 to 36 months for this to improve? My guess is you guys are going to answer that question as we continue tonight. Should we be shocked that Rick has not done enough to get the Canes into a better position to win on offense? Um, I don't think you should be shocked. I mean, I think you've got to remember these last two games came within five days of each other. And before the last two games, they really weren't playing that poorly on offense. And even in the Florida State game, they had some good moments. It wasn't good enough, but... You know, you could look at the Mark Walton run that got called back for that holding penalty. Um, they were moving the ball on the drive where Kaya threw the interception in the, in the end zone against Florida State. So I think Mark Rick was kind of blindsided by these offensive problems the last five days. And, you know, when you go on the Virginia Tech on a short week, my guess is they had a very a watered-down game plan. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they tried to keep it simple. Uh, in, in hopes that the team would be able to execute it well in the short week. Um, so not doing enough to get the team in better position to win. Uh, I'm just not sure that that's appropriate in this situation because of just how rapid fire these losses came upon the Hurricanes. If the offensive line is so bad, why won't Mark Rick give Malik Razier a try and does this open the door for Nikozi Perry next year, seeing that he's a more mobile quarterback and, you know, Brad Kaya's struggling in, the, in that regard right now behind the weak offensive line. And the poster pointed out that Nick Saban changed his entire offense to fit the quarterback that he has now. And that's a very, very, uh, very accurate statement. Uh, Nick Saban did change his whole offense during fall camp. He, you know, really in the middle of the first game, in reality, um, he started out with Blake Barnett, a quarterback, and then very quickly made the judgment that that wasn't going to work and totally shifted gears and went to a, a quarterback who presents more of a, of a run running dimension to the offense. And, you know, I don't know if Mark Rick can be as ruthless as Nick Saban. But Miami's just not in the same place as Alabama right now. Nick Saban is making decisions based on winning the national title. He has a team that is built to win that championship. Alabama has had six straight number one recruiting classes full of five stars and four stars. The best recruiting classes in America, they have the best roster in America. Okay, so Nick Saban's making these decisions at a whole different level than what Mark Richt is right now. And, um, you know, Miami's simply buying time between recruiting classes so that it can upgrade the roster as quickly as possible. I mean, that's a harsh and cruel reality, but that is the reality right now. So I don't know that you can compare Mark Richt and Nick Saban and their decision-making process as it pertains to quarterbacks. Um, what do I think about the future of Brad Kaya? 
I, I think if things don't get better very quickly, that Mark Rick's going to have a very difficult decision to make, and so is Brad Kaya. You know, Kaya's going to have the option of going into the NFL. Um, I believe he has an insurance policy that protects him if he doesn't go in the first round. I don't know all the details of that, but I've been told that he is well covered, um, both for injury and draft status. And I, I think all sides are going to have a lot to talk about and figure out here after the season is over because the offensive line situation is not going to get much better going into next season. And, um, you know, Kai has taken an incredible amount of punishment. And I think going to the NFL is, is going to be a real uh, realistic option for him after this year. So we'll see what happens. Now, as far as Nikozi Perry, going to be a sensational quarterback. I think he's a superstar of the future at Miami. Whether that begins in his freshman year, um, I don't think anybody can predict. Uh, there's just so many variables there, and um, you know we'll just have to see you know how that plays out. But um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this whole thing progresses at, with Kaya and the quarterback position going into the off season. It doesn't seem that Mark Rick has adjusted to get more creative, to get the ball out quicker and into the playmaker's hands. He's almost put too much on Kaya, who shows he cannot handle the pressure, especially when the O-line is not holding up. Um, I, I would agree with that. I don't think he has adjusted very much. But again, I think that he was kind of blindsided in those five days. I'm, I'm very anxious to see what he comes up with this Saturday at Notre Dame. I think that will give everybody a much greater basis for, for judgment in terms of Coach Richt. Has he abandoned using a fullback and having Kaya under center? Shouldn't he have done that more? Yeah, he probably should have done that more, but uh, you'll remember the last two years, James Coley did the same thing, and there's a reason for that. A, the quality of the offensive line, and B, you know, Kaya's footwork. And, and um, both coaching staffs independently reached the same conclusion that they needed to put Kaya in the shotgun. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, obviously it would make the offense better if he was under center and they could play action pass more. But I think it's hard for, uh, you know, us out here to question it because, like I said, two different coaching staffs have made the same judgment on the same subject. So, um, you know, I think it is the way it is and probably the way it's going to be. I wouldn't be shocked if Mark Rick tried to get Kaya under center a little bit more. But again, that might be part of the uh, adjustments that he has to make going into this game. We'll see what he comes up with Saturday at Notre Dame. I was asked if I see Mark Rick hiring an offensive coordinator next for next season, um, beyond what he does right now where Thomas Brown has that title. Um, I really don't. I think he's committed to calling the plays. I think he's committed to developing his son as the quarterback's coach and teaching him offense and progressing him through his career. I would be surprised if he suddenly um, decided to go in a different direction. It was a big part of the excitement that he had when he came to Miami. Um, I think right now he's looking at recruiting. I think he's you know, trying to see what he can do to get this roster improved as quickly as possible. Um, and then I, I'm sure he's focused on what kind of plays he can call that this offensive line can execute and um, help the offense produce a little bit better. Is this Mark Rick's full playbook? Is Thomas Brown able to put much into these game plans and the offense in general? 
you would have to think that Rick is smart enough to see something has to change for this group. If he thinks it's too late to install something different for this year, does he do some serious research in the offseason to get more creative? Well, here's what I'll say to that. The team that Miami's playing Saturday, Notre Dame, changed defensive coordinators and defenses in the middle of the season. It's to the point where when Mark Rick was game planning this week, he kind of had to sort of look at the first few games, but then build his game plan more of, uh, around the, the last game. It was a very atypical, it wasn't a typical um, game plan pr- preparation session that a coach would normally have where they might look at five, six, seven, eight games back as they formulate their game plan. Um, so if Notre Dame can do that, you know, I, w- I would think any other team can do just about anything. If you need to add some wrinkles or add a few plays here or there, whatever you think is best, um, I would think that Mark Rick has the capability of doing that. Uh, and I think we'll start to find out Saturday if he did. I, I, I think this is a very important football game for this team. You know, they, they've lost three in a row. They need to get the momentum back in their season. They can't obviously win the ACC anymore, but they can finish strong and go to a decent bowl game still. And, um, you know, this is where a veteran coach like Mark Rick needs to call on his experience and, and needs to to figure out what he needs to do to get this team in the right state of mind to go up to Notre Dame and play a great game on Saturday. Why isn't this team improving with each successive week? Why is the offense stuck in the mud week after week after week with a coaching staff that can't find a solution? Um I think you get to make, like I said a few minutes ago, I think you get to make that judgment this week. I don't, I don't think it's fair to say the team's not improving with each successive week when the decline that you're talking about comes in two games over five days. Uh, a 10-day break, the team's had a chance to gather itself. Uh, coaches were very pleased with practice today. Um, you know, That's what they all consistently said when we, we were out there this morning. And um, I, I think you, you, you get to answer a question like that this week uh, based on how the team shows up. If, if they show up and they don't play well and there's a continued decline on offense, um, you know, then maybe some of those questions are fair. You know, right now, I think a decline that transpires over five days, the, the sample size is just way too tight and way too small to be too harsh uh, with opinions. Who's going to be back from injury this week? Uh, well, I can tell you that Chad Thomas... Sheldrick Redwine and Rayshon Jenkins were all at practice today. Uh, very strong chance that all three of them will play in the ballgame on Saturday. Demetrius Jackson and Gerald Willis were still working with trainers on the side. Um, I would say those two are um, somewhere between doubtful and highly questionable. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect to see either one of those two guys in the game this weekend. Can Miami beat Notre Dame? Absolutely. How will the Canes finish the season? Can they go nine and three, eight and four, seven and five? Um, yeah, they can. I mean, there's no there's no reason they can't. They have, they'll have a chance to win every game that's left on the schedule. Um, a lot's going to depend on what they're they're able to come up with offensively, and can they get this thing back headed in the right direction and scoring more points? Um, I think they can. Um, before the season, we talked about you know nine wins being the benchmark between a successful season and a non-successful season and winning the Coastal. They're obviously not going to win this Coastal. Uh, They can still win nine games. Um, My opinion hasn't changed. If this team drifts down um, eight, 
seven or six, um, I think you have to consider it a disappointing season. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think they're capable of winning these remaining games. I don't see any of them that they can't win, but they've got to start producing better, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. If Miami can land the big three offensive linemen from South Florida this year, can all three come in and start? And it's, they're talking about um, Donaldson, Slayton, and Herbert. Uh, the, um, Donald, Navon Donaldson from Miami Central and Slayton and Herbert from American Heritage. Um, I think that Donaldson definitely can come in and start. I think the other two uh, would be capable of getting some playing time next year. Uh, but it's very important they get these guys because the faster that they can get offensive linemen in this program, the faster that they can get things straightened out to where they need to get them straightened out. And um, I think what happened last week in Blacksburg was a program changer. I really do. I think it's going to change the recruiting plan. I think Mark Richt is going to have to look at one or two JUCOs potentially in recruiting this year. Um, If I'm those backup offensive linemen who aren't playing right now, I would be seriously thinking about transfer ideas. Um, I just don't know that they're going to be able to afford to keep those scholarships tied up like that with, with guys that are never going to play. And if they're not playing this year, I think it's pretty safe to say they're probably never going to play. Um, so um, I could see a couple of those guys transferring out and being replaced potentially by, by junior college players if they're out there. I haven't studied the junior college uh, offensive line roadmap to this point, um, but I got to believe that that Rick and his recruiting team are starting to sit down and take a look at that because if it was never more evidence, that's what they need to do. I think it smacked them in the face on Thursday night at Virginia tech. Um, they need to go try to find a couple older guys that they can bring in that can help them right away and make the offensive line better than what it is right now. Lastly, this thought came in from a poster that I thought was particularly eloquent in stating his opinion. He says, the moment that the Canes started to lose, the blame game started. Coaches, schemes, playbook, players, depth, play calling, talent, quarterback deficiencies, scheduling, coaches pay, recruiting, stadium leakage, nepotism, comparisons of former coaches, drop passes, missed points on special teams, flying planes with banners, and on and on and on. He asks, is it enough already? All this griping and postulating will not change anything. Every player on the team wants to win. Miami is where it is because of the actions of the past. If the Canes Nation wants to move on, shouldn't it be looking for things that can be used to build the team up, not tear it down? It takes time and effort to rebuild. And with that, we'll go out to your phone calls. As always, the phone number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's start out tonight in the 404, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Gary, what's going on, man? How you doing? This rolling from New Orleans. What's up, Roland? How you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. Um, 
I just want to talk about recruiting, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep you because I know you got a lot of calls. First and foremost, uh, offensive line, um, it's got to be some guys come in. JUCO, um, you got to find somebody from the Midwest, uh, West Coast. I mean, Gary, they got to bring somebody in. That's the first question to you. I mean, they got to find. I mean, they got to bring. They got to get, yeah. get some guys in. I mean, I, I, I just talked about too that. Many, yeah, I mean, they do. You got Iowa. You got uh, I don't what, Nebraska. Um, <laughs> they they listen. They can go Midwest. They can go. I mean, I don't. Man, they need to get old linemen in ASAP, quick, fast, in a hurry for next year. That's, JUCOs or even or, or 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 more fifty a couple fifty transfers even, but they they got to try to find yes. a couple guys. Yes, and secondly, what they need too, what I think. They got to get some receivers. Got to get receivers. That's a must. That's a must to get some speed. Somebody can take the top off. Off. Uh, uh, that that's that's imperative. They get they get some guys that can that can get down the field. Um, and um, safety. Any safety help, big time. Strong safety. Free safety. Uh, I think that's three areas where the team really. Really, really needs to 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 make an adjustment. Um, and from your and from your perspective, the areas that I named, um, I think O line being number one, definitely. Uh, receivers, I mean, you can you can find guys, but I, I still think that's a you know that's a need. And safety, you know, with the kid and was decommitting, do you see him uh, possibly re, recommitting down the line, or or what's up with what's up with that with with, with that uh, decommitment? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna listen in right quick. So, who, who are you talking about? That uh, corner, that safety that uh, decommitted Edwards, I think it was. Oh yeah, um, you know, I don't know. He, you know, there there, there were some issues there in, in terms of what position he was going to play, and and he wasn't really on the same page as the Miami coaches. And um, mm. you know, I, I I think he's been considering decommitting for a while. Uh, whether he'll come back in the fold, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, they they just picked up Amari Carter. That was a great pickup. Um, yeah, they've yeah, got, yeah. They've got Bandy coming in, uh, who I know yeah. they like quite quite a bit. You've got DJ Dallas coming in, who could play mm-hmm. DB or receiver. Um, right now, it's looking like they're going to put him at DB. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, I don't know if, if he'll come back. I can't make that prediction. Gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Um, well, go, but going back to the offensive line, what about uh? Um, I know we got those guys in Florida, but they gotta they gotta venture off and, and get some somebody. I mean, if they gotta go, like you said, JUCO, they gotta go. Uh, like I see, I don't know Midwest. They gotta get some guys on that old line, man. Quick, fast, in a hurry. I know it's not you say it's a three year deal, but I mean they 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 need somebody. Yeah. Like I well, mean, base bag. They're, they're they're trying hard. You know, I, I, they've got yeah. Donaldson committed. They got to hold on to him. Uh, they got Hillary committed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have they Zach, need to get those Zach, tackles from uh, Heritage. They need both of those they, tackles from. They American need to get Heritage. both those kids at Heritage. I agree. They got to get that them. They got to get That them, would help man. a lot. I, I think they'll get at least one, lot. if not both. Um, it obviously would help if they could uh, flip Kadeem Telfort from Booker T. I'm yep. not sure that's going to yep. happen. Um, but but they're battling with a few others. Um, Tariq Bateman out of Alabama, uh, Caleb Chandler out of Georgia, are a couple of the guys they're looking at. Um, Adrian Ely in Louisiana, 
mm-hmm. and they'll mean more. I, I think more will come up here as time goes by, and I think they'll look at JUCOs. I, I do. And uh, I think they're also going to look for 50-year, um, 50-year transfers, uh, kind of like the Brown kid that came in from LSU. You know, I, I think they'll be looking for some of those kind of kids. Okay, okay, man. That's all I wanted to Brown's not a fifth-year transfer, but I mean, I'm talking about kids from other schools who yeah. have the capability of going somewhere else and playing their last year. Yeah, man. Adrian Tolbert okay, okay. is a good example yeah. who came in this year. But I think that would be a good thing if you bring a kid in like Adrian Colbert and then bring a, a freshman in and at least redshirt somebody, you know, instead of having these guys coming in at 285, at least redshirt. It's not reality. You can't can't just roll out a bunch of freshmen out there. I mean, Navon Donaldson is big enough and strong enough. He could probably do it. But reality is not rolling a bunch of true freshmen out there on the offensive line. That doesn't work for anybody. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. Well, I'm going to listen in, man. And uh, you do a great job, man. I appreciate it. All right, Roland. Thank you, as always, for giving us a call. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 850. You're live with Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing tonight here. Who's this? Hello? Hey, this is yeah. Travis up here in Tallahassee. Hey, so Travis, what you got for us oh, tonight? Man, I'm, I was doing uh, pretty good, you know, with everything. I was trying to hold on, you know, but, man, these canes are just hurting my soul. That last Thursday one was pretty embarrassing, honestly. We all know that the, the offensive line is just abysmal. They look like a bunch of high schoolers out there. I mean, like the last caller said, it's got to be junior college recruiting or something. Because, I mean, that's really, if you looked at our team before all this started happening, we looked like we could have at least, at bare minimum, a 10-2 and two season. You know, So, I mean, if we could have any type of pocket that could protect um, Kaya, we should be able to do something next season, you know, if he does come back, which at this point I think we're almost all hoping he doesn't, which is just awful because, I mean, he is a good quarterback and he can put the ball in some places that no other college quarterback can, you know. So, I mean, he he has the ability, but he needs a perfect or a great pocket, you know. I mean, and that we don't have that capability. And like you said, we're not going to have that capability. Um, reference, you, you hit on so many points in the beginning that, like, most of it, 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 it kind of threw me off because there's just uh, so many things that were, like, right on, especially your assessment of the offense. I mean, these are things that every message board I've been on, every fan I've talked to have been saying. I mean, Yearby and Walton in the backfield at the same time. Beautiful. Let's get that going, man. Excuse the hell out of the defense. I mean, that's not rocket science. Also, stop rotating them, like, alternating um, possessions or whatever, you know, like just have them, okay, you know, here's Walton, he gets three, then Dan Yerby gets two, then Walton's back in because Walton's clearly the better back, you know. So stop with the the rotation of running backs. It's just weird the way they're doing that. Honestly, to to keep on going and get on some other points quickly because I'm sure you got a bunch of callers on Notre Dame week, um, we have to to switch to a mobile quarterback. Um, I read somewhere – that actually Nicozy Perry was kind of like poking fun at you and how bad we've been doing and everything like that. Did, did you see that? It came from his Twitter, I think, or something like that. I know we, as grown people, should not be following what these kids are doing on Twitter, but, you know, it just it, how how is his commitment is the question. 
Um, I believe it's strong. I mean, he decommitted once and then recommitted. I find it hard to believe he would do the same thing again. Um, he has every reason to come to Miami. I mean, they're, they're planning on making him the franchise in the future, I think. I mean, so. Well, I mean, really, with all these RPOs that we're running, I mean, it's, it's set up for him, you know. It's not Brad Kaya, to be honest with you. Um, and how is Donaldson's commitment? Because he's the most shaky of them all for for me. I mean, I, I still haven't got a full explanation of why he was wearing FSU gloves, like couple weeks back or whatever. Oh, he, he he said it was because he didn't have his gloves and he borrowed somebody's gloves. I don't know. Here, here's what I could tell you. I, I've, been, I've been very consistent on this one all along. I, I mean, it looks like he's going to go to Miami, but I don't think it can be taken for granted. I think he's sent enough signals to Florida State and Florida that they, are, they feel that they can still get him. And um, so, you know, I just think that that's one that they're, they're going to have to stay on. Uh, obviously, right, right to the very end. Yeah, because I mean, really, I'll give up the whole recruiting class for him. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'll, every single person that's he's on there. He's pretty important. Yeah, he's pretty important. I mean, he is the gym of this class for us. And I mean, anything else that we can get on top of that offensive line wise is just just golden. Actually, I should never use that word again. Um, just a couple more quick points. Honestly, man, like when you you brought it up in the beginning. I don't care about advancing the son of Mark Rick, John Rick. Like what has happened this year is abysmal. And if it continues to happen, I don't need him as my quarterback coach. There's already a bunch of coaches, like whole gang of coaches. I'm ready to, to, to see go. Cyril, not impressed, man. Not impressed. Rod Duggins, man, we had drop issues before. Now we have some serious drop issues. So Duggins or whatever that was, man, he can take his dark and go back to a, USF, man, because his recruiting didn't pay off. He lost Latrell Williams, and now our guys can't catch a damn ball to save their lives. Um, I don't think it's and, Well, either way, he's got to step up his game. These are coaches, man. they got, you know, they got to earn these paychecks that we're giving them. We're finally paying. We'll earn it. Um, <laughs> and lastly, the – uh um, like You sound like a big Hurricane Club donor. <laughs> I am so poor and actually not a big Hurricane Club donor. I wish I could be, but uh, – just a lowly college student. Um, my last point is on the last guy that you said was the eloquent speaker and everything like that. Man, you know, Mark Rick really doesn't have that long because if people are already talking about flying banners, it will happen. He's got to pull this together, right the ship now. Like, I mean, this, this, like you said in the beginning, there's no team that we shouldn't beat on the rest of the schedule. That's why losing to Virginia Tech and North Carolina hurt so bad because both those teams, we should have laid an ass whooping on. And they, just the way – if this is going, I mean, if we lose to a 2-5 and five Notre Dame team, imagine the meltdown after this weekend. Yeah, so uh, thanks for hearing me out, Gary, and uh, leave me on hold, man. No sweat. Thanks for being part of the show. I mentioned earlier I was talking about Brad Kaya and how he's a totally different quarterback when he's protected and when he's not. When he has a clean pocket and is able to plant his feet and throw, he completes about 67% of his passes. When he's pressured – that completion rate goes down to 32%, um, a staggering difference. He, he, he's never, ever really been able to handle the pressure really well. Really well. Uh, that's slowed him down in his career. Um, you know, the, the, there's a reason why Miami has not been able to beat good competition uh, these past few years. I'm, I, I love Brad Kaya. I, I think he's a kid with a great amount of ability. His stats, when he's protected, show that. My concern for Brad 
is the offensive line in front of them. Um, it's not very good. I'm not sure it's going to be very good next year. Um, and the more and more I look at it, I'm just I'm just not sure he shouldn't go to the NFL after this year. Uh, we'll see we'll see what happens there. All right, uh, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go back up to the eight five zero. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, guys, it's me. That's you. Who's this? Hey, this is Rod and I called last week, talked about the officer line song. Hey, what's up, Rod? <laughs> obviously, it's still, yeah, still a, obviously, it's still uh, an ongoing big issue for us. Um, it's it's just I, I was I'm concerned about, as you said, the play calling, the scheme that's been going on. I mean, if if we it's obvious we can't protect. So if we can't protect, you got to get the ball out of his hands quick. Or you got to try to scheme around it. You got to move the pocket, do something. And it just seems like we're still trying to do the same things when it's obvious that there's no way we we can protect it. And and with us having a bad offensive line, it just it it affects so many things because the defense got to have to to stay on the field. And if the offense can't move the ball, the defense has got to keep on coming on the field, keep coming on the field. And we're already thin to death on defense. So it's just a battle of attrition at this point. So um, do you see, like I know you were saying earlier, do you see Rick trying to make some adjustments with the scheme on offense? I think he has to. <laughs> you know, you go back to the Florida State game and look at the beating that Brad Kaya took there. Um, it got progressively worse going into the, you know, or maybe about the same in the Carolina game. But then eight sacks. At Virginia Tech, I mean, how can you not adjust? Man. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. How can he not adjust and do try to do some things differently? Um, and I'll be shocked if he doesn't. I really will. Yeah, because the the book is out. The book is out, man. Get the Kai in, and and it, it's a wrap because yep. it's, it's just a cycle of the defense just coming back on the field. Because in, in early in the game, they was holding holding Virginia Tech to field goals. Then the offense, we can't we can't sustain drives. We can't give the defense a rest. It's just a cycle, man. If we go up to the South Bend this weekend and, and it's a repeat and we can't be more creative on offense, it's just it's just the same thing happening all over all over over and over again. So it's just it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating at this point. Yeah, so, I mean it's going to be even more frustrating if it's not different this week. As, you know, this is a game, obviously, that Hurricane fans are going to care very much about. And after three straight losses, they're looking for something better. And um, I think I think you got to change it up a little bit, try some different things, try to put the O-line in better uh, positions, try to um, maybe be a little bit more aggressive on first down when Notre Dame doesn't figure to be blitzing. Right. And, um, and see if you can make some things happen. Yeah, I'd just be happy if they just start getting the ball out of his hand quicker. Run some slants, run some, the bubble screen to the running backs. I mean, that seems to work. we got to do more of that. But now we're at the point, now we're talking about not being bowl eligible. Because looking at the schedule now, after, after Notre Dame, you got Pitt. That's a pretty good team. you got NC State you got to play. you got Duke and you got Virginia. And none of those are given wins at this point if you can't protect up front. Yep. None of those are given. But, uh, nope. yeah, that's all I had tonight, Gary, man. Thanks for letting me call in and talk. They could, they could win every game or it could go south. You know, we'll, we'll exactly. see. Exactly. 
So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. All right, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the six seven eight now. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Who's this? Hey, this guy is Jackie. Hey, what's up, Junkie? How you doing, man? I right, good. I'm good, man. Um, just real quick, um, we, I mean, I we can't. I to me, honestly, I don't think we can um, get on Rick too tough about the offense. But I do think um, being under the center, being under center might give Kaya a little better, you know, opportunity because what the thing with shotgun is. It's it's putting the linemen in such a like a predicament because the quarterback is sitting. He's like a sitting target behind them. So it's it's, a, it's so many ways you can manipulate that to get pressure and get free rushes. But when you on the center with the fullback, which is a, another blocker actually, and then you you can put the tight end game in effect. Um, what what's the deal with Stan? Like we haven't seen him at all. Like no three tights, no two tights. No big sets, no power sets, like, at all. We've been going finesse, and, and finesse, that's not, you know, we don't have speed to go finesse, like, wide-open systems. And, and yeah, we're running surprised. a wide-open system. I, when I we just go get I'm a 280-pound fullback, that's another O-lineman. Yeah. And and then we, we don't run no no downhill, no ISO. We run all our running plays from a shotgun and you putting the lineman in a predicament to try to beat more athletic D linemen and linebackers and it's not that's that has never worked when we can go three we can go actually two more blockers with Stan and with Williams and then we can sneak, you know, put uh the two tight ends who can catch and be difference makers in the play and then we can still run the ball because we'll have more blocking out there. But my thing is with Notre Dame, I haven't really paid no attention to them, so I don't really know what to expect from that game. But you know, from the record standpoint, two and five, yeah, we should win. But at this point, it's, I'm more concerned about uh, you know getting Amari Carter uh, this weekend. That was big. Uh, you know, landing the O linemen, the O line recruits, and getting some speed at wide receiver like. I don't know uh, too much about evidence, but, you know, I didn't see him as a blazer. Um, and then Dingle, definitely not a blazer. He's a good receiver. I saw him tell uh, Lakeland up a couple times, like back-to-back years he did Lakeland in, but I don't see any speed at the wide receiver spot. Um, so that's still the issue. I'm thinking speed at running back. I think Travis Homer will get a lot of time next year. Um, but still running back, wide receiver. We just don't – I don't see speed on the recruit list. Like, we, we might be going after Devontae Smith, but, you know. Yeah, Devontae Smith's got – he's got decent speed. Um, right. You know, to but, me, he's a very critical recruit. But is the chances, though, if you were to put a percentage on that, it would be less than 50, right? be like around 35, maybe 20, between 25 and 35. I would put it at 50-50, Miami or oh, Alabama. Oh, got that good of a shot to get in? I mean, I think the longer it goes, the better the shot, you know, quite honestly. I don't, you know, but, I mean, there's a great opportunity for him at Miami. 
Right. I mean, for Judy too, but he, you know, he still want to go to Alabama where they loaded with receivers, and he can come in day one and start. Trayvon Grimes can come in day one and start. Devontae Smith can come in day one and start. You know, but they that doesn't mean they'll come. You know, the opportunity. The, the JUCO went to Georgia last year when he could have come to Miami and and, and been a starter out there, but. Um, that's all I, you know, recruiting-wise, I haven't really been seeing any, you know, things pop up in terms of speed, and, and that's the same thing, you know, the same predicament we're, we're in now. No speed. We can't stretch the field. We can't pop bit runs, and, and we can't block. I mean, so if we don't have speed, then you need to have a good O-line. If you don't have, you know, a good O-line, then, you know, you're four and three and looking at a two and five team hoping that you can beat them. But, you know, that's all I have. But <laughs> I'll stay on hold. But, you know, it looks like the same thing going on. I don't see no speed at the skill positions. You know, that's just my, you know. That's yeah, me I mean, more there's still some work to be done in recruiting. There's no question about it. Yeah. I and mean, this is a big recruiting class. Big yeah. recruiting You're looking class. more and more like DJ Dallas might have to play offense. Well, it'll depend on who else is in the class. You know, if they keep loading yeah. up on DPs, they might put them on offense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Keep me on hold, right. man. You, you got it. Thank, thanks, as always, for being part of the show. All right, guys. I know, you know, you've probably lost some money. Those of you that bet on, on sports have probably lost some money on the Canes the last few weeks. It's been kind of tough. But I want to talk a little bit here for a moment about one of our sponsors on Canes Sport Live this year, um, a place where you're – you can make a boatload of money every single week betting on sports and betting on horses and even betting in their casino, and that's mybookie.ag. And it's um, one of the nicer sports wagering sites out there on the Internet, and I encourage anybody who hasn't checked it out so far this season and taken advantage of their special offer for Kane Sport Live listeners that I'm going to tell you about here in a second to do so. Um, you know who's going to win the game, right? Most of the time, at least when the Canes aren't playing. It's time to put your money where your mouth is and get some money on the game and score a big win today at mybookie.ag, where you can join thousands of online players and start betting on sports. And um, mybookie.ag has live in-game betting. You can even place a bet after kickoff. And unlike some other websites you might find, MyBookie offers fast, no-hassle payouts when you win. You win, you cash. It's as simple as that. And um, Special offer for those of you listening to Kane Sport Live tonight and throughout the season. You can join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with a 100% bonus. Use the promo code CANES, C-A-N-E-S, um, to activate the offer. When you visit mybookie.ag and sign up, or you can join by phone by calling 844-900-BETS. That's 844-900-BETS. You play, you win, you get paid. They'll match your initial deposit 100% if you use the promo code CANES. So whether you're an expert or a rookie, you got to check out MyBookie. I encourage everybody sign up today and get in on that special Kane Sport Live offer where they will match 100% your initial deposit. All right, the number to call in is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. 
you hit the number one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, and let's go down now to the 305. You are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? What's going on there, Gary? How are you? Doing great. Who's this? Schmeyer 55. Hey, what's up, Schmeyer? How you been, man? Huh? Ah, doing all right. Doing all right. You find, you've checked out my so- book. I bet you've checked out my bookie AG by now. I have checked out my book, yeah, AG. You know, it's actually funny. I actually was in uh, New Jersey. I went to a Devils game the other day, and I saw that uh, that nuts uh, that, that nuts thing that you always talk about. I actually saw that <laughs> in New Jersey. It was pretty funny. Nuts, I was cracking nuts. up. I'm like, where do I know this from? <laughs> What's nuts it called? My nuts. Come on or what? So far this season, maybe they'll get in on the Christmas shopping season. I don't know. Oh, all right. It was just funny when I saw it. Um, wow, Gary, how, how a few weeks have changed the, uh, outlook of this, uh, of the calls here, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's been rough. Can I, Gary, let me just ask you a question. The roster that, that we have in front of us, say that the Canes have in front of us, say out of the last 10 years, how would you rank it as just in terms of from top to bottom? I mean, would you say this is probably the weakest roster we've had or just basically average from the golden years? It's they're all kind of been the same, really, haven't they? I mean, you know, they've all had a, a few good players, and they've all had major deficiencies that had to be fixed, problem areas. I mean, the, the offensive line's been consistently, you know, um, ever since those guys that Randy Shannon uh, recruited left. You know, Feliciano, Linder, and those guys, Shantrell right. um, Henderson. Ever since they've left, the offensive line's been a little bit of a problem. And they haven't been able to get that level of play back. But, you know, it's it's always something. And and that's kind of my point is that there's been basically, except for the defensive line and just just the defense in general. But, I mean, you got to give the, the, the three linebackers credit for just being true freshmen and going out there every week and playing hard. But the defensive line, I've seen actually some pretty – you know, so that has been, has been pretty pretty remarkable for what for what they're throwing out there and the young kids and everything like that. But other than that, you're seeing a pretty stagnant team. You're not seeing the receivers getting any better. You're seeing the tight ends basically just for the most part go to waste or you know underutilized. You're seeing an, obviously the offensive line is is tragic, but a quarterback regressing. You're seeing the running backs, and if anyone can't see. That four, I'm not saying that Mark Walton is not an overly dominant running back if he was in the right scheme, but whenever Yearby is on the field, with this, he is getting the yards because he's just more of an attack, you know, get, get your four or five yards, break a big one, and Walton dances too much, but they're much more efficient when Yearby is out there opposed to Walton. I'm not saying that he's, not, that he's a better running back in the long term, but for what they have right now, they're more efficient with him out there. I, I know that you're a a Walton fan, but from, from that's what I could see. I mean, but I, I haven't seen much improvement, uh, you know, from top to bottom. I mean, and you're talking about they have some good players out there. I mean, then Joku's good, Herdman's good, Stacy Coley is as probably as good as that. I mean, the guy, the kid, looks like he gets killed on it. I mean, he gets that he's dying in agony, agony every time he catches the ball. Barrios is good. You got two decent linebackers. I mean, two decent running backs a quarterback that used to be good. I mean, there, there's the, the cupboard is not dry here. This should not be as bad as it really is. You can't just blame an offensive line for everything. They, you, you, if that's the case, then you're talking about another stubborn head coach of what we dealt with last year on the defensive side. 
That's what I. That's how I see it. Well, let me let me touch on a couple of the points you just made. Um, the okay. the running back debate is a tricky one. I, I mean, I don't think you can deny the explosiveness of Mark Walton, but the point you make about Joe Yearby behind the current offensive line is a good one. Um, Yearby's averaging 6.8 yards a carry. Mark Walton's averaging 5.4 yards a carry. Um, and I think, you know, Yearby is a little bit more capable of making something out of nothing than Walton. Walton's great. You, you give him a hole and he goes and, and he's explosive and he, and he gets through it. Yearby um, is a little bit better at making his own holes and, and, and you know, sort of cutting on a dime and, and, and making things happen. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if that's one of the adjustments that Mark Richt will make. Um, Walton's gotten 112 attempts right. so far this year. Yearby's gotten 73. Yeah, I, I, so, I mean, I Walton's getting a little whenever. bit more. He's getting, he's getting the ball a little bit more. But right. uh, I just think also when we do all these stats, I think we should only start these stats for when ACC play, uh, start, you know, ACC games play, because throw out those. You know, I mean, we're not going to throw out Appalachian State, but let's not throw in FA, FAMU where they were busting eighty-yard runs. You know, let's let's just the last few games and beyond. I mean, you, Walton is getting stuck in his own path, and Yearby at least is chunking out at least where they're not. You know, if they're running the ball on first down, at least it's second and in, in five, and not second and nine or second and twelve where they're going backwards a lot of the times. That's the way I'm looking at it. I don't know. It's yeah, it's a year after year, Gary. This is tough. You know, and, and I'm it's, also going to make another comment here that in terms of recruiting, when you're when you got the the you know the mother load of all the players in this little area, I think the recruiting's been average to below average. And I saw it firsthand. I'm, I wasn't impressed with what I saw. It you know, just with the organization and all that, you know, from what I saw, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not overly impressed with the recruiting. It's not national, which I don't mind. I don't mind it not being national, but I'm not seeing any great buzz or anything more than, than in years past. And that's just a, you know, and I'm pretty tuned into that, that whole, you know, that whole, that whole game. And I, I haven't, I haven't seen anything majorly improved. I don't know. Have you, do, do you see anything drastically improved in that in that game it's it's not to the point yet where you want to see it um you know you okay. want to see the more of a factor with the you know four and five star guys around the country um mm-hmm. i think you know they're doing an okay job in south florida but you know okay, job, i think right. south, south, the thing about south florida recruiting is you know a lot of these kids grow up wanting to go to miami so you find the ones that want to be hurricanes and you lock them in and and that's great, and they can form the foundation of your recruiting class. But um, at some point, Miami's going to have to be able to get back into going out there and, and uh, going upstate and being able to compete with Florida State and you know going into the southeast and being able to complete, compete with the SEC teams and get a few more right. of, of, of these top-shelf players. Um, going back to your initial point, uh, just to finish mm-hmm. it, uh, I, I, I think you look at the stats. You said to look at the stats from the ACC games. Um, so I'm starting with Virginia Tech since it was the most recent game. Um, Yearby mm-hmm. averaged 6.6 yards in that game, and Walton averaged 3.5. Um, nine carries mm-hmm. to 11 carries. So they got the ball almost equally, and Yearby was the more productive guy in that game. And I think so. You know, I, I think your point is a good one, and, and I think that you know Yearby might be better suited for this offensive line at times than Walton, even though Walton 
is an extremely explosive player. So uh, be interesting to see how yeah. if Mark Rick sees it the way you see it and how he divvies up the carries here going forward. Um, but you know, both backs are obviously capable of helping the team win. That's not right. their problem. The pro- their problem isn't the running backs. I, yeah, I, now, I mean, and the, there's all thing, the I, thing you said that I don't agree with is that the tight yeah. ends are being underutilized. I mean, the Joku and Herndon both have gotten plenty of targets. They're both averaging 17 yards of reception, which is pretty darn good for tight ends. I mean, Stacy Coley's only averaging 12. Um, right. So, you know, I think he is getting decent production out of the tight ends, and um, you know, obviously, we'd all like to see it even more so. I mean, my, my when I when I said that is more to the fact that you're dealing with and we have you have NFL tight ends. You have, you know, I don't, if you can remember the game when Miami played North Carolina and they used Eric Ebron and they focused him and that guy just person he beat Miami in that game by himself. I mean, yep. David, there's no one, but they're not. I mean, maybe maybe I'm I think Dejoku is better than he is or Hurden is better than he really is. But these guys are not like. Uh-oh, we're going to focus on this guy, and this guy is an NFL tight end, and he's going to beat us? That's not happening. I mean, they're getting their targets, but they're not dominating games by any means. And I'm not saying they're first-round picks, but they definitely look like they're NFL players to me. And when the stat sheet comes at the end of the day, I mean, it's not like these guys are dominating games. I mean, Stacey Coley very well may be an NFL-type receiver. And, I mean, so, you know, he, he gets his his looks, and it, I wish he would have made that catch the other night, but, you know, he, I, I don't think anyone is being overly utilized, but, you know, or focused, you know, to take, take some of the pressure off of, I, I, I haven't seen anyone necessarily get that much better than the whole, than the defensive line. That's the only position I've seen actually get much better that, that, that I could see. I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, do you see I any agree. Uh, defensive line is markedly better. More, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I, 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 sometimes when I see these kids come out there, they're fighting hard. They're making huge tackles, big, you know, great big plays. I mean, th- those guys, you got to, you got to take your hats off to those guys because it's really, and to see them come out there ever when they go three and out and have to go back out on the field, it's, it's remarkable that these young kids are, are playing the way they're playing. Joe Jackson, I mean, all these guys. It's, I mean, that that that's great. But other than that, I mean, I can't really pinpoint any position where I see any great improvement and maybe even regression, to be honest. I've seen some, I mean, I mean, Brad Kaya being the biggest, I mean, you can almost compare him now to Tannehill. I mean, maybe the guy's got hit so many times that he he's, he's got, he's got shaky feet and they short arm balls. That's what happens when you get hit in the face. So many times you start regressing. It's just, you know, it's a mind game now. Yet he threw for 323 yards. In the in the loss last week, so you know, I mean, it, it's not like they're not capable of getting things going. They are. Um, they just, and, you know, they you, you can't keep taking sacks. That's the problem. Could we try not to say this all the time? The, the one that drive that when I see drives me nuts is how Florida State ruined our season. I cannot stand that, even though it is true, and that there's just, but good teams and good coaches find. I mean whatever it is, what it is. I bet a lot of college football and I see a lot of teams get up for big games. They lose, but they manage to come back and play the next week, either harder or more emotion or whatever it is. But there shouldn't be the fact that when you lose a big rivalry game, 
and your season just crumbles behind your feet every year for six or seven years. This cannot continue to happen. It drives me absolutely crazy. Teams get I think, teams I think the program gets too from... invested in that game, but but what are you going to do, get underinvested? So that's number one. Um, and I think it's the physicality of the game. And, you know, I, I just think that the team – by the end of that game, the way those kids throw their bodies around in that game, are, they're, they're, they're just beaten up. You know, they're badly beaten I, up. I mean, I guess, Gary, and I, I even heard you say earlier, I mean, Mark Richter has to get used to an ECC schedule. Well, the guy was playing basically uh, an elimination game every week in the SEC when they were playing big games, Florida, Georgia. You know, Georgia's playing big games every week, and those guys, they got to – that's a that's just a, a year long playoff in the SEC. I mean, they, they, they got to be used to this. I mean, you can't just lose a game or come out there and give it. You got to be invested every single week. I mean, I mean, the, the, the ACC should be a cakewalk compared to what Brenda playing. Look, look at Alabama. Look at their schedule. Look what those guys got to go through. Look at you know. I'm, forget about the Big Ten. I mean, you know, and yeah, you I, know, listen, we want to I've use watched that. Alabama a lot this year. They're not playing games where the level of hitting and intensity right. is at the level of what the, it was at the Miami-Florida State game. Uh, I mean, okay. I mean, that's, that's a unique that – it's, it's a very unique game. It's, it's not that the players yeah. aren't better or, or whatever in some of those SEC games and stuff. It's the intensity of the game and, and, and the physicality of the game and the way the kids just have no regard for their bodies in, in that game. By the way, I – I tried to get on that week to tell you the single the play that where I knew that the game changed. I mean, it, it obviously was a was a Kai interception, but Miami had Florida State on their heels and they're driving down. They got down to around the ten yard line, and that whole fiasco with the chains came about, and they got that free timeout. Florida State got the free timeouts because they get, they got combobbled with the chains, and Miami would have scored two plays later because Florida State was not ready and they were gassed. And that yep. changed the whole game. I remember just seeing, standing there, I was like, that changed the game. And then they held them at three points, and it just changed after that. And by the way, another – and I'm sorry, I don't, I don't you know, always like to bring up the negatives. We've got to stop blaming the referees for everything because it goes both ways. Could you – 50 – that Stacey Coley touchdown pass in that game, how that calls reverse is a – 30% chance that that get, play gets reversed a, a lot of times. So we ca- can't always blame the referee. Yes, there has been some bad calls and everything, but it goes both ways. And I, and I thought that I remember sitting there watching that Mark Walton when it was a hold. I mean, sitting right there, I go, that's a hold, you know? And, and I think some of the play I, was a remarkable run, but you, you could see a lot of the Florida State guys to stop playing. You know, the defense alignment didn't come completely after because the, the referee threw the flag right there. So, you know, it can't, can't can't always it's not Miami's not jinxed or anything like that everyone has to go through bad calls everyone has to go through big games you got to start winning these games and uh, Brad Kai has now come close to winning one big game in his career and I don't know where his career will lead after this but his legacy it's is, is pretty is pretty checkered yeah it, it's, it's, it's it's astonishing it's like he's a good, he is a good player yeah. but he yeah. just doesn't for whatever reason he can't make enough enough winning plays in big games right. to end up on the right side of the scoreboard. And it's not always sure. all his fault, but it's, it's, it's a little weird. All right, Robert, let me let some other people yeah. get on. Um, thanks. You got so it, Gary. In, um, give us a call again next week. All right. Have a good one. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Have a good night.
646-595-2048. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is Sebastian. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Sebastian? I'm doing pretty good. Just a couple of things I want to just point out tonight. Kind of disappointed in the way the Canes have played the last couple of games. I go ahead and make a prediction. We're not going to beat Notre Dame. I'm not going to get our hopes up real, real high. I just think there's fundamentally some things we need to do differently. But let me give you some positives. That catch stage Coley made in the end zone, that's all effort. And that's what you want to see out of your players, especially a senior. That's leadership. That's all effort. He didn't get his foot to make it inside the end zone. And, you know, if he does, no telling what the game's going to look like. But that's just effort. <clears throat> what I can't understand, I need some help with this, is why is Gus Edward not part of the game plan? Why is he not playing? Why can't know. we have – I mean, you got to know I something. Mean, I mean, I, I think at Virginia Tech they just didn't have enough plays. I mean, yeah, Yearby only had nine carries and Walton only had 11. So, that, that no, you know, they never, mean, they never got to Gus Edwards. But, but Gary, we, we can go back three games, man. Gus Edwards just – I mean, does he even need to put the uniform on? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying it wouldn't hurt to have another bigger back end especially when we're trying to go short uh, for short yardage. Uh, the other thing I can't seem to understand is I know they're moving Dover, Stanley Dobart over to the defensive side, but can we do two tight end sets? And maybe yeah, I don't have understand a that at all. I don't, I, I don't understand that move. It makes To me, it makes zero sense. He's never going to play defensive end. Um, you know, he, you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying – just have a blocking tight end in to help one of the offensive tackles in. You know, I'm just saying we got to protect that quarterback. I mean, Kaya can win games for us. Kaya can get us nine wins a year if we just take care of him. And when he has O-line protection, we'll be okay. But let me let me this point is a big, out this. This is a big game this weekend. I, th- I think if they can find a way to right the ship this weekend, that that can catapult them over the last month of the season. I, I, I think if that. you lose the, for a fourth straight time – uh, man, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. I I, I can agree with that, Gary. But but let 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 let's not put it all on rich shoulders. We have to understand that when you recruit athletes into your program, you got to be accountable to that. I mean, think about it. Why did we bring in Jahair Jones? That guy's probably never gonna play it down for the University of Miami. That's a horrible horrible evaluation. They brought him in you know, because they thought they they you know that they thought he was gonna be able to play. But I mean. But, it's turned, but Gary, it's turned but out to be a bad evaluation. But, Gary, let, let, let's be realistic. I mean, when you look at talent evaluation, that says a lot about a coaching staff. And this is what I mean. I have no doubt in my mind this coaching staff can coach. I mean, you look at what Manny Diaz has done in the defense in one year with three true freshman linebackers and a lot of underclassmen, you can't tell me that this coaching staff can't coach. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they've kind of fixed it. I mean – you look at the way Demetrius Jackson is playing. You look at the way the linebacker number 57 is playing. I mean, they're just playing better. They look better. They look like they're coordinated. They know what they're doing. On the offensive side, I'm not giving up on Mark Rick. I think the talent he's working with is just really, really so far, especially on the offensive linemen. So this is what I mean. You have to, uh, do, you have to hold the other coaching staff accountable. They recruited – I'm not sure. It wasn't this class, but the previous class. They recruited like five or six offensive linemen, one from Tallahassee, one from Pennsylvania, one from California. Those guys ain't even on the field. 
third year in the program. They're not even on the field. How do you explain that? I don't think, you, you know, this staff didn't recruit these guys. Exactly. So you know, they can't be held responsible for any bad evaluations. You know, and so those guys are on the team, and that's what they're going to have to make do with it. I like your analogy by get at least one, maybe two JUCO offensive linemen, maybe even a graduate transfer. But I'm going to tell you, we need all those guys. We need both those guys from Heritage, and we need that guy to be teleport. There's no reason why we can't find a scholarship to get all those three offensive linemen and, and Donaldson. I think if you do that, Gary, you can fix your offensive line within a year or two. I well, you, you need a couple years yeah. to develop them, but, 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 yeah, I mean, you could fix it. You could go a long way towards, towards starting to fix it, no doubt, with those guys. You can do that. I got two more things, and I'm going to let you go. The first thing I, I need to say is Miami is now never going to get back dominant until they realize they need to fix the trenches. That's on the offensive line. That's on the defensive line. Anytime I hear we only need to recruit one defensive tackle this year, that's bogus. You need at least two or three of those guys. Alabama never does that. You look at their recruiting class, every year three or four defensive tackles their side. And on the offensive side, you need to do the exact same thing. Now, I understand probation kind of hurt us, but we need to be having two, three defensive tackles in, our, in the pipeline every single year. And we need to have four or five offensive lines. The last thing I want to tell you, Gary, and you put me on hold after this, is talk to me about some speed recruits that we're looking at that we really need to get injected to our program. I know the wide receiver from Louisiana is one of them. I really think we need to get that Holloman kid from uh, Newton County Georgia. in uh, Covington, Georgia, right? So yep. just put me on hold. Talk to me about some speed we need to get into our program. And Mike Harley from St. Thomas Aquinas, need to be part of that. Put me on hold, but talk to me about some speed. We need to be recruiting, getting into our program. Thank you. Yeah, I think, by, I think by the end of the day that Harley does has, have a chance to, to, to get into the class. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, you mentioned Holloman. I think he's an important recruit. Devonta Smith, to me, is the most important of the receivers. I, I think he's going to be an elite player. Um, you know, a speed guys, I guess you got to go down to the defensive backfield uh, DJ Dallas, I, I think, is a speed guy. Christopher uh, Henderson, cornerback. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're going to get him or not. Um, I think they still have a decent they – still, they're still alive there, and they have what a chance Prince? to get him. But, um, you know, the, I think the guys we just mentioned, they're probably the, 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 the greatest pure speed guys, per se. Um, and, you know, I hope they're not done. I, I really do. I, I think the, the class can still get better, and I, and I think there's – you know, they they got to keep looking to make it better. All right, I'm interested on the Brittany kid. The Brittany kid, they're evaluating. There, there's issues there. We'll we'll see if they'll we'll see if they end up if if they end up Stop getting their, Gary, getting Stop serious with them. Or not. Okay. There's issues, believe me. But anyway, they're they're evaluating Bernie. We'll see how serious they get with him as it goes forward. Let's go out to the seven eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how you doing? Doing good. Who's this? Is everything three oh five called in yet? What's up, man? How you doing this week? Good. Really enjoyed your articles this week. Great information. Thank you. Thank you. you know, Gary, it's one thing that you mentioned earlier really intrigued me. And we pointed out that we just basically have two wide receivers out there. Now, I know this kid's eligible. Turned out. Now, I mean, I personally think they could get more out of Barrios. He just hasn't had a lot of opportunities. But, yeah, 
I mean, Dale Harris really hasn't done very much. Well, and here's Not my thing. You know, I, and I, I'm going to preface it by today's press conference when he when he did a great job of pointing out, he put a recruiting pitch out there that if you're young and you want to come play right away, Miami's the place to be. You got a kid in Deontay Mullins who needs to be playing. Um, I understand but, that. But, but, but I think you got to understand there's a reason they're not playing him. And, that, and, so, it means and, they, I, and I get that. It's not ready you, yet. Now, you, you can't know, why send that ready? message out there and then have a kid who can learn four patterns because he can learn four fly patterns. It ain't that hard now. And I hate to second-guess CMR, and you know I, I've yet to do that, but that kid needs to be contributing somehow, some way. Uh, he's a dynamic player. He's an explosive kid. There's no reason. We only run about eight or nine plays anyway, Gary, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. That's what we've run. We've yet to run a four-wide receiver formation. We put in Joku out. We split out Herndon. So it's time for this kid to get on the field somehow because it's not that hard to figure out. You can run these three routes. And nobody's seen him play on tape. There's, there's no tape on him. So it comes a point where, you know, you might as well burn the redshirt year and get some productivity because – as much as we love Barrios, he's not a dynamic player. He's not a difference maker. As much as you love Harris, he's not that either. Plus, he can't block for anything. There, there comes a point in time where he, he's going to have to sit back and evaluate the, the messages he's conveying and his actions. And I think that's one example. As far as um, recruiting as a, as, a, as a whole here, um, we keep hearing about the Heritage kids being, now all of a sudden they're listening. And all of a sudden now they're interested and they're open. Well, you know, I can tell you firsthand, based on the people I know over there, some of the parents that I know, uh, it's a very small world. The kid that's going to Michigan is going to Michigan. He's no, he's not going anyplace else but Michigan. So you can scratch that one off. And the Slayton kid is definitely, definitely interested in playing basketball at, at wherever school he goes. So he wants the opportunity to do so. So they're going to have to make some concessions. And the one thing this coaching staff, this recruiting staff has done consistently since they came on board, they're not making many concessions. Uh, an example was C.J. Henderson, who wanted to be able to play primarily corner, even though most of his work out there is as a wide receiver and as a return kid. That was one. And, yes, he's you always mean, been you enamored mean, by You mean Florida. Brian Edwards? No, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm going back to C.J., Brian Edwards wanted the opportunity to play straight corner. good friend of mine over there has been there for many years at the Mar, coached with Cogs, and he's told me the same thing he told me about Tracy. The hips aren't good enough. He's not, he cannot play corner. And um, they're not going to be able to, to project him as a corner, but you've got to do what you've got to do to get the kid here. Then you've got to do what you've got to do when, once the kid gets here based on the competition and the talent that's there. So if you need to sell a kid – you sell the kid, and then you do what you got to do. How many times have you seen a tight end become a defensive tackle? How many times have you seen a free safety or a strong safety become one hell of a linebacker? It's college football. You've got to be able to sell these kids, and you've got to give them some love, and you've got to play this card because society today dictates. This is an immediate society. These kids want things right away. So you've got to be able to play that game. Uh, the straight and narrow game, I, I get that, but you've got to bend a little bit. If not, you're going to lose more kids. So, so far, we've lost about three kids based on this, 
And I'm going to go back to signing day. And I know Larry Scott had this kid all wrapped up, and I understand that. But when he came here, the vibe he got from the coaches was not the vibe he was looking for. And it was mentioned. He put it on Twitter very clearly. So let's be honest here. Let's look at the last since February. Let's look at the body of work. And the one local guy who keeps getting the best players here is George Bias. I mean, and Ice. And Ice is gone. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, they're all they're all working together, but uh... Gary, you can work together, sir. But you've got to be that guy. The it guy is the guy. You know who got, who is the an it guy? An example of that is T. Rob. He might not be the greatest cornerback coach. Hell, he might not be even a good teacher. But the guy can get kids. He can get them. He can sign them. And he's an essential guy in South Florida who's from South Florida. You know, I don't understand why he wasn't considered. It's not that I don't like I don't like Mike Rump. I don't like what he conveyed on the radio several times. Because when you're part of a family, you don't throw your laundry out there all the time. It's okay to dance around it. It's okay to pick at one or two things. But to consistently for three years and then lie about kids not being recruited, you know, that's a, that's a character issue for me. And then another coach that we have that I felt contributed very well over the years, he's brought the best players we currently have on the offensive and defensive end, arguably, is Ice. And we let him go. And the worst one is we bring a Seminole in here, Ron Dugan. Ron Dugan is a great guy, but he's not a great teacher. We are the worst. We are the absolute worst. Who's he working with? That, come on, I, you're not being fair. Who's Ron Dugan's working with that you think he's not doing a good job with? I'm going to tell you something. That kid who's a freshman, that kid's got great hands. I've never seen that kid drop so many passes. Look at all his highlight tapes and his lowlight tapes. Never. I'm on, I've never seen Barrios drop as many passes. So you're looking that's across not, the board. And Joku had problems. He was much better last year, the last six, seven games. And look how many drops he had in the last six, seven games last year, Gary. The, the numbers are there to where he's at this year. I mean, let's be honest. Things are not <laughs> – the teaching and the coaching think, up part, you don't think I'm Richards questioning a little a bit. Nice, you don't think Amon Richards is having a pretty nice freshman season? I think he's having a solid freshman year, and he's a top he's a top fifty freshman playing in the in college football right you now. Yes, Stacey he is. Coley's having a you know doing relatively well, other than the fact that he's hurt every time I, he does something. Stacy Coley is li- is always going to be limited. He's a soft kid. He's always going to be a soft kid. Right, but, but he has produced. But, he, but but he's producing, and and Ron Dugans is doing a pretty good job with him. Well, the I'm, I'm just telling you what I see. From what I see, and what the numbers are, we're the worst. We can't. We don't catch. We don't catch passes. That's a reflection of how good you are as a teacher and a coach. I'm sorry, Gary. When you get evaluated, when you're a college coach, in and the Monday Joe mornings or the dropping, Sunday mornings, Joe's dropping at least one You game. get evaluated. That, that has, hey, it's all out there, brother. And, and right now, yeah, when you get when he's looking at himself, nothing to do with Ron Dugan. I mean, you, you can't blame Ron Dugan's for that. Ron Dugan's a pretty good coach, and he's a damn good recruiter. Well, I, I'm just telling you what, what I'm seeing. I'm just telling you what I think, and I at this point, uh, I can I can argue with you. Do a little bit. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you're right or wrong. Remain that we're not producing, and we're I, not producing the recruiting for Gary. You got three kids. The offensive line isn't giving Kaya enough time to throw. When Kaya has time to sit there and, and throw accurately, they're doing fine. He oh, completes. You, you know, I get that. I understand that, and I'm not knock, I'm not knocking cereals. You know, there's an old saying in the coaching world. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken, you know what. Yeah, but that's okay. not Ron Dugan's fault is all I'm saying. All right, you got any more points you want to make tonight? 
I got a, I got another great point that I want to bring up. I mean, we, we talked earlier in the summer uh, on these message boards, and I was very, very adamant about this, that you were going to have a huge turnover rate because the depth was lacking. And kids that are not playing, a kid like Bar Milo, he's already figured out where he's going. He's going back home because he knows he can't play out here. No. There are other kids. That, now, now, you look at kids that we're currently we have on our recruiting list that are committed. The kid Dykstra, that kid from Iowa. I got a lot of friends out there. I spent many years out there. I'm telling you, that kid at best, at best, is an Iowa State signee. He's not a high-level kid. He's got a great edge and a great motor and all that, but he can't pass protect to save his life. He's not a good athlete. Hell, he doesn't even wrestle. So that's an area of concern. So the Hillary kid, he's going to be a project. We already have a, currently a project in, that uh, I know uh, uh, one of our former Canes, Leon Cersei, has been working with him off and on throughout the, the weeks here and there on the side. But, you know, we, we don't have much there. And then the one kid that's hurt, if he comes back, that's going to be a long process. I mean, the, the need's immediate. But guess what? There's only one kid that if he sticks to his commitment, is going to start next year, play significantly, have a major contribution. That's Donaldson. The other two or three, even Telfort, if they come, they're not ready to play. I agree. St. Louis is still not ready to play. And well, most, I called, that's why while, I said the offensive line rebuild is going to take at least three years. No, no question, Gary. And that's, that's the, the whole thing I've been pointing out since the summertime. That's why that's Vegas put out seven and a half at max for this game team to win this year. And I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'll be surprised. Maybe, maybe, just maybe we beat Virginia, and just maybe we beat Duke here at the end. But we're not going to win any other games because you can no. tell the problems are just starting. Hopefully you know, you're wrong. We'll are... see. I think, I, I think Saturday is, is a big game that will go a long way towards affecting the other games. I think if, if they can put a good game together and find a way to win this game, I think it will propel them to a good finish. I think if they drop a fourth straight, it's going to be a demoralized football team, and I'm not sure what's going to happen. Well, I, I, and unfortunately, I hate to be a pessimist, but I, I think that's the route we're going to go. This well, guy's see. had two weeks to rest, a game plan. He's going to pick us apart. And, and as great a job as Manny Diaz and his, and, his, and his assistants have done, which they have done a great job of teaching, and I, and I, make, and I give this kid credit all the time. I give Rump a bunch of credit because there's not much talent there to begin with. He's done a great job. But the depth that's there, or the lack thereof, and they're hitting the wall, and they're seven games into the year. Yeah, but they, no they, good, Gary. they hit a wall on Thursday night, but now they'll have ten game, ten days between games. Hopefully, they'll get their legs back under them. You know, we'll see how they do Saturday. All right, man. Hey, let me let you go. Give us a call again next Thank week, you, Gary. From your lips to God's ear, my friend. We'll pick it up from here and see how it goes on Saturday. Have a have a okay, great day, baby. You got it. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one. On your keypad, we'll get you on. Let's go to the 941. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, great, Gary. This is uh, Mike Stracane. Uh, I Mike just heard the – hey, pretty good. Uh, I just heard the uh, pessimist on your last caller. Now I'm going to be the – opposite. gloom and doom, huh? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Man, well – I, I know these three losses have been pretty bad, you know, but come on, we can't blame the coaching staff for all of this. I mean, 
they inherited what they've got, you know, uh, with a with a bad offensive line that we can't really do much about. I mean, the only thing I can I here's a couple of things I can think of. Maybe put a couple. Maybe put a two tight end set, get Kai in the shotgun, and maybe throw a couple of uh, shovel passes or a couple of middle screen. You know, screens over the middle that might help. Or maybe a couple bubble screens on on the one side that seemed to work uh, pretty decently, especially in like the Appalachian State game. That might work. I mean, got to do all kinds of, got to try to do uh, some different things here to solve this problem. And with you saying, and I don't like hearing it either about the offensive line not being fixed, the problem not being fixed in the next uh, two to three years. Well. Can't you can't fix it. You, you can't go recruit freshmen and fix it in a year. And there aren't that many JUCOs that are going to come here in tandem and solve any problems. It, it just it's right. impossible. I mean, it, ta- it takes a few years to develop offensive linemen. And I, I just looked on the uh, JUCO website. I didn't see anybody any good there. As a matter of fact, I saw a JUCO get offensive linemen get arrested for punching a referee. <laughs> so. Anyway, anyway, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of what to say here. <laughs> well, you got to try different things, you know. Try to try to uh, maybe a couple of trick plays if there's any. If they got any in the bag, you know. But I would say keep Yearby out there more than Walton because, like you're saying, you know, Yearby's I think is a little bit better at getting more yardage and finding more creases up the middle, maybe. But on the other hand. I really can't think of anything else, you know. <laughs> but All right, we'll give us, what they can. let's see what happens this week and give us give give us a call next week. Yep, you bet, Gary. Time for me to uh, shut down here. All right. You you got it, man. Have a good night. Let's go out to the seven eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you'll have to call back. Um, another call at in the seven eight six. You're live on Kane Sport Live. That's you. Are you with us? <laughs> going once, going twice. All right, call back. Let's go to the. Whoa, things just jumped around on me a little bit. Hang, hang in there for a minute, guys. Um, let's go to. Oh man, uh, give me one sec. Give me one sec. Um, Let's go to the 251. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Garrett, what's up? Off on Kane, Mobile. Hey, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, quick question, man. Well, it's not really a um, I know most people are a dog in the offense, which it is playing horrible, but I got a problem with the defense. Now, going into the season, the big thing was uh, the need for a nickelback, right? Well, in today's – I've been watching the last three games – and, like, why do we constantly leave the slot uncovered? I mean, we can't do that against the Switzers and the Jimbos. I mean, it's frustrating. You look at it, you got Johnson playing 15 yards off. And, thankfully, team just not really killing us. With I, I'm, you know, they haven't been burned by that. So, you know, I, Have you I, seen I that, too? I've noticed it. I've been surprised by it. They, they've been outnumbered at times, and, and it, they haven't been burned by it. Yeah, because, like, the Florida, like the biggest problem I have with the defense is, I mean, obviously our strength is our defensive line. I mean, without a doubt. And, like, the Florida State game, you really think about it here. 
they have no deep threats. And, like, we were constantly blitzing off Dalvin Cook's side. And, like, when you're blitzing off Dalvin Cook's side, then you got the backside linebacker who's got to try to come over when he flares out. And, like, that's how we kept giving them the big plays. I didn't understand that. You don't even have to blitz Florida State like that. And then with North Carolina, their best wide receiver is Switzer. He's got 50 receptions in three games. And we just constantly leaving him uncovered. Constantly. I just don't understand that. And it was the same thing last week. I think we played Virginia Tech. Yeah, I'd have, get, I'd have to get Manny Diaz to, you know, kind of break it down and explain it. But I, I, I have noticed the same thing that they, they play, they like to play off the, the slot receiver. Yeah, I mean, and like, thankfully, you know, I heard the announcer say that, which he was kind of. Like, he was like, man, really, AC. You think about the ACC is really like the, besides maybe Big Twelve, it's probably the best quarterback conference. It is right now, and like. Just the fact that, like, you see it so many on – you only really see it on third downs. And that's why I, I feel like we can't never get off the field. I mean, because you look at it, you got Johnson, he's 12 yards off. And you got – and it's third and six. And you got the slot receiver right there just wide. I mean, it, it, it's just real frustrating. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I thought going into the year we was going to be bump and run, which we were all the way to – They are State, but then it seemed like the, Yeah, it seemed like the Florida State game, we kind of bag off more each each week a little bit more. Uh, it, that's that's just that's the most frustrating thing. And then one thing I would like to say, I, I was listening to the other guy. He was talking about like one thing I, I thought that Miami, through all the coaches, these last few few ones, is like sometimes you have to tell a recruit what they want to hear to get them. Now I think we do a bad job of that. Now I remember Randy yeah, Shannon. You got you got to be careful. I mean, if you flat out know, for example, that a kid can't play corner and he wants to play corner. I think you got to tell him the truth because to bring him into your program with him thinking he's going to play corner, then you move him to safety in the first month he's there or or something. Now you got a kid with a bad attitude on your team, and you you know you yeah. don't want that either. So you 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 yeah, know you got to right. be you careful. Know. You got to be careful. Yeah, I mean I'm not talking about like in in the first week you move. I mean I'm I'm pretty sure you remember Allen Bailey's situation out of Georgia. You know every school in the country wanted Allen Bailey to play D line. Of course he wanted to play middle linebacker. And, you know, Randy Shannon got him to come to Miami to play middle linebacker. I think he moved him. Did we redshirt him in the first year? And we moved him after that or something like that? Yeah. It was something well, to that extent or whatnot. He finally realized the coaches were right, yeah. 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 I, I mean, mean and, and like a couple, I mean, with certain kids couple other guys work, we mixed out on. But, but you got to be careful because, it, because you yeah, could end up right. with, a, with, a, with a bad character on your roster if he feels like he was lied to or, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought, well... Example, look, at, look at the Torrance Gibson kid that went from American Heritage to Ohio State thinking he was going to be a quarterback. Urban does that, though. He did yeah, that with Joe Hayden. You look that, at Joe Hayden, kid, he did it with Joe Hayden. <laughs> that kid, I mean, you know, got totally you know, screwed over. Is he still there? I don't I know. I know he got suspended. He, I, I think he had some problems up there recently. I haven't, I haven't seen really, none of them, none of the guy from South Florida, uh, Johnny Dixon. I haven't seen Johnny none of them play. Dixon. He's another one. Yeah, I mean, so I just think you got to be careful. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think because one one I thought we missed out on Al Golden was uh, was Wilson, the corner. I mean, you know, Golden said he thought he was a safety. Now hell, he's probably all American corner at Florida. Yeah, I mean, and his dad was alumni. I mean. 
sometimes you got to look down the line. Even if you would have got him and then, you know, you got his brothers coming up, you know, I don't know. I just hope we get that in line, man. But that that I just had to call about that Diaz. That that, that just been killing me these last few weeks. I mean, yeah, it's constantly. A little goofy. No, no, no doubt about it. All right, well, give us a call next yeah. week. You got right, it. Here. Thanks, thanks for the call. Let's go to the three four seven. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. That's you. Hey, how you doing, man? Um, doing great. First Who's time this? calling. Oh, My name's Trey from Brooklyn. Hey, Trey, we like first-time callers. Welcome to the show. What you got for us? Um, not much. Just wanted to, I hate to keep being a dead horse. I uh, just wanted to talk about the old line a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Trevor Darling, left tackle. It's terrible, man. Terrible. Soft. Yeah. Not tough Definitely enough. not pass protector. Just get beat on one move. Straight speed rush. Well, he doesn't belong a tackle. He should be a guard. But you know what? At a certain point, enough of that, too. You know, you're an offensive lineman. you you, you got to be tough. you got to be focused. And he's just getting beat way too much. Yeah, need to be a little more nasty, I see, too. Yes, he's he's not. Now what about all? Uh, I, I mean, right, right now he's looking to me like he should be at FIU or something. Seriously. What what about moving Casey McDermott back to left tackle? Think about that. He's not athletic enough. He's right where he belongs. I mean, he's not athletic enough to play tackle. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, Tyree, Tyree St. Louis, he, I mean, he's coming along. You know, needs to have a little more confidence. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you know Linder, Linder plays hard, wants to do well. You know, he's just limited physically. And Isadora is the best of them all, and he's leaving after this year. So you know, yeah, it's 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 tough there. Mhm. Oh, uh, Ball Milo. What about giving him a chance at left tackle? He's they not tough he's enough right now. They can't yeah. put him out there. He's you know, I mean, you see, they they don't put him out there at all. What does that tell you? At all. Him, Brandon Mahoney, Jahair Jones, all those guys. Mm-hmm. They don't put mm-hmm. the field. Or what about uh, more double tight end sets? Two back. I sets. agree. I agree. I, 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 you know, I, I think desperate times call for desperate measures, and and you got to look for different ways to attack the problem. And and you know maybe you know putting multiple tight ends, multiple backs, doing some different things offensively could be the answer. I'm mm-hmm. very interested to see what Mark Rick comes up with for this Saturday. Uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be surprised if he doesn't make some adjustments. He said ten days. Uh, to really look at it hard, and um, you know, it's a ten-day break between games. I'll be surprised if he doesn't find some ways to adjust to some of the problems they've been having. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we got to man. Cause we looking bad out there. We should have destroyed this Virginia Tech team. They have a, a second-string defensive lineman out there, and we can't even run the ball. Put that big yep. 300-pound fullback out there. Ground and pound. We yeah, couldn't move some 260-pound defensive tackles off the ball? They tried to throw the ball to him once. He dropped it, and I'm not sure he played very much after that. Yeah, he didn't. No. I mean, who can stop him coming straight downhill? Well, he he's not the kind of kid that's going to run the ball a lot, but he, he's a no, really no, good No, no, no. I mean, blocking one. Yeah, I mean, he's a very good blocker, but when you have to go into the shotgun, it negates him. Like, you know, your blocking fullback becomes obsolete. 
The whole thing's a mess. You know, the whole thing's a mess. You're trying to cover up Rakaia's deficiencies. You're trying to deal with the the offensive line problems. Uh, that's why everything went downhill when they started playing better teams. Okay. All right, what else? Well, that All right, that's, that's about it. I just wanted to talk about that old line real quick. All right, hey, thanks for calling in the show. Make sure you do it again in the future. I definitely will. You have a good one. All right, man. Have a good night. All right, guys, whether the Canes are winning or losing, you have to look good when you walk out of your house. And um, like most of us, you know, your day usually begins with a good shave. And that's why we've been telling you all football season about Harry's. And uh, they make the best razors on the market and can take your shaving experience to an entire other level. And those big razor companies, they have the annoying habit of putting out new models and raising their already high prices. Well, unlike those guys, Harry doesn't believe in ripping you off or upcharging, which is why they made their razors even better recently, and they're keeping their prices exactly the same. Harry's five-blade razors now include softer flex hinges for a more comfortable glide, a trimmer blade for hard-to-reach places, a lubricating strip, and a textured handle for more control when it's wet. And um, I've been using Harry's razors for over a year now, and I can tell you firsthand that it's taken my shaving experience to an entirely different level. Um, their shaving cream and, 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 and aftershave products have a great smell, so you, you know the, the lady in your life will be happy uh, when you're done shaving and you'll walk out and you'll look nice and, nice and fresh. And um, Harry's blades are still just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more that you pay when you go to the drugstore. And, you know, I joke around a lot about it, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of crazy. you got to ask the lady to unlock the cabinet. And the reason they got the things behind lock and key is because they're so expensive that people like to steal them. So, you know, that's why they, they feel like they have to lock up their blades. Well, when you buy from Harry's, he mails it right to your house. You know, you don't have to go to the store. You don't have to deal with all of that. And by owning the factory in Germany where they make the blades, Harry's can produce high-quality razors themselves, and they can sell them online to you for half the price. And um, Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades that they're willing to send you their popular free trial set, which comes with a razor, a five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel for free. When you sign up for their shave plan, you'll just pay for shipping. Plus, there's a special offer for listeners of the show. If you enter the code CANES at checkout, you'll get free post-shave bomb added to your order. So go to harrys.com right now, enter the code CANES at checkout to claim your free trial set and post-shave bomb. That's harrys.com. Codename Canes for the best shaving experience that you could find anywhere in the world. Harry's.com, thank you for sponsoring Cane Sport Live this entire season. All right, 646-595-2048 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 757 now. You're live on Cane Sport Live. Man, I ain't got nothing to say, Gary. This Kane Kane. I'm just going to say it how it is. Stand the whole line. I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of hearing his first year. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. It look like Al Golden Park, too. Call it what you want. I don't care what you say. This shit is a mess. It's terrible. But stop blaming people. There were games we should have won. We went to the tech game. Your boy stumbles and falls. What the hell? Okay. 
then there's no discipline. All these personal files. Where is the discipline? This is Mark Rick. Where is the discipline? Man, we looking just like that there now, Golden. Period. Call it what you want. That's what I see. Defense, that's the only upgrade. The play calling, suspect. But damn, jumping on the pile. What the hell are you doing, Norton? Collar, I love Collar. But damn, the man way out of bounds. All sides, false starts. What, what's going on, Gary? Help me out. No excuse. Get to the point, yeah. brother. Help me. Well, you pick, you pick the bad night. You picked a bad night to go see the Canes, Kane Kane. I mean, they just they they just didn't have it the other night. The, the defense I thought was done after the first quarter. Um, the offense was flat terrible. You know, I, I'm I'm just hoping I'm hoping they get it back together for for this Notre Dame game. Well, I just I would hate to see the season go into the toilet. You know, I mean, all right, they're not going to win the ACC this year. Um, well, that's out the window. You know, let's that's out the window. Let's get 500. But well, let's, going let's, to 500, this board's going to explode. You well, know I'd this. like to see them fin- you know, fin- finish strong. You know, win win four of the last five or something. Get yourself to a decent bowl game <sighs> against a reasonable opponent. And, 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 fi- and finish it off in style. You know, don't, don't just go in the toilet and, you know, fall into this abyss where you're losing games you shouldn't lose to c- crappy that's teams. True. You know, can I so ask it, you just one question here? Just want to ask you yeah. one question. You think you could get some old kings on the show one day, and so we could ask them questions? Well, did y'all use excuses? Did you have excuses when you were down, or when we were on probation? Or did y'all just you know say, "Hey, we don't say. do what we got to do"? Huh? You know what they're gonna say? I I don't want to put former players. In yeah, oh, you know what they're gonna right. say? Hell no, they ain't had no damn excuses. They went out there and did the job. Uh, That's uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I'm watching you, but hopefully Mark can get this ship rolling because. Man, like you said, we can't. Oh, my goodness. Five games. Like the man said, North Carolina State, that ain't going to be easy. Virginia always gives us a tough time. Houston came along gives us a tough time. And people keep saying talent. Stop with the talent shit. Because none of them schools out-recruit us. Or maybe, I don't know what it is. I don't know, but they don't out-recruit us. So what is the problem that we lack? Like, I'm not going to say nothing, but, you know, when your boy took over hardball, when he took over last year, just saying he couldn't even get no damn recruit. They was like, what are you going to do this year? But somehow them kids just mustered it up. They were three and eight to three this year. Same team. Remember that quarterback? He didn't know who his quarterback was going to be. Somehow this quarterback became halfway decent. We got to do something. I don't have no more to say. Chain Nation, Uke, D Black, Charles, all my people. And the ones I forgot, love y'all. We got to get another thing. I'm going to be sick as hell. Peace. See you next week. All right, Kane Kane. Thanks as always for calling in. Let's go to the 845. You're live on Kane Sport Live. <laughs> Gary, how you doing? Greg. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, Greg? You're late tonight. Yeah, I was out. I just got started listening about a half hour ago. Anyway, I just wanted to start by how many of those sacks the other night you think were Kaya's fault? He holds the ball too long. He's not he's he, he's not he's not seeing the receivers coming open quick enough, and in some cases they're not open. Okay, so throw it away. Uh, uh, no argument. <laughs> and mean, I'm sure that's what on. I'm sure that's what Mark Rick's telling him. You don't see if it open, you get, get you get rid of it. One, two, three, boom. If it's not there, get rid of the ball. Stop taking sacks. There's no question about it. Okay, now 
this program is not going to move forward till we get rid of the stench of Alan Golden. I told you that a month ago. We still have these players from this team. They, they have a bad something's there that's not right. When you have 14 offensive linemen on the roster, and not one of them, those are the only five that can play, that's, that's a sad situation. Who's to blame for that? Was that Art Keel making those personnel decisions on recruiting? That was yeah, in a, in, in a lot of it, cases, it's yeah. atrocious. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy. And let me ask you, sir. I like I like this kid Malik Young. But what happened to Michael Jackson and Ryan Mays? And then like. They can't play. They put a true freshman in there, and they put him up against a six-seven receiver. What do they expect? Yeah. Miracles? It's yeah, crazy. it wasn't. That was bad. I agree with you. Uh, Malik Young has looked horrible out there. He's not ready. Well, I mean, come on. That's the toughest position to play as a freshman, in my opinion. No, it's not. Offensive line's way tougher to play as a freshman than cornerback. I don't know. Let me ask you one other thing about uh, this uh, defense. Is not, I mean, they were on the field a lot again the other night. They wore down because they're they missing three key defensive linemen. Oklahoma gave up 750 yards passing the other day in one game to Texas Tech, and they still won. I mean, the defense is played good enough to win most of these games. They could easily be six and one at this point. Just Kaya and this offensive line—they're they're atrocious. Is there any thought of letting Rozier play? I can't imagine. That makes no sense. I mean, seventeen fifteen, Gary Kaya. 17-15, never beaten a good team. Come on, how many years? Come on, let's make a change. Put Allison in. Give me, do something. If, if, if there's a change, I think it'll be next, it would be next year if he comes back. You know, I, I can't imagine that Mark Rick would do that this year. Okay, are they going to allow uh, Perry and Allison to compete with this guy next year for the starting I so. job? I think they will, yeah. Well, Get remember, right. Mark, Mark Rick didn't recruit Brad Kaya. You know, he inherited Brad Kaya, and he's working with him this year. But if if they don't, if he can't win with him this year, I mean, I don't see Mark Rick beating his head against the wall. Okay, do you find that? Do you think Miami should be favored this week on the road? Mm, I don't know. I, I you know. That, that that's for the guys in Vegas. I don't know how you. I mean, I mean, somebody's got to be right. I mean, these are two two teams that have been struggling. Um, you know, I guess they. I what I, I I think the last I heard, Miami was favored by one now. No, two and a half. Oh, it's up to two and a half. I mean, I don't. Yeah, you know, I, that means people. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. We'll see Saturday. All right. Now, uh, recruiting. We haven't had much luck with uh, transfers. I mean, JUCOs, uh, Jahir Jones, Michael Weish. Yeah. Not you hearing recently. anything? Not you recently hearing anything? 
No, but, but, but you can have success with JUCOs. They just haven't had success with JUCOs recently. But uh, it is possible. You can do it. And uh, you, you just got to pick the right ones. Uh, you can't pick a lot of true? them, though, Greg. Greg, you can't pick a lot of them, I don't think. I don't no, think we don't need a lot. Just get yeah, a couple of One or two, you know, you don't, yeah. Because there just aren't going to be a lot of great ones. But uh, I, I think if you pick the right one or two, that it can help your football team. Did I say that Devonta Smith was at the North Carolina game? No. Did he? He didn't come to for a visit that day for no, an official. No, no, no okay, he did not. Okay, is he scheduled for an official sometime? Uh, I'm not sure when, but he will make an official in Miami. All right, Gary. Thank you very much. All right, Greg. We'll talk we'll to you next week. See you next week. Bye. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. We're going into hour number three. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the seven seven zero five on team four five. Are you with us? One, going twice. All right, you're out of here. Come on, guys, be ready when I call you. Let's go to nine oh four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gear. Yes, sir. Hi, how you doing, man? It's Antoine. It's Antoine from Jacksonville. Hey, how you doing? Antoine, how you doing tonight? Good, man. Man, I, I, I it's tough. It's tough to watch what's going on out there, man. I, I'm, I'm watching the games and I'm cringing at what I'm seeing, and it's, it's, it's bad. But the, the offense is so disjointed, and. Uh, I, I really do. It's looking. It's looking like a couple of things, and it's like Kaya's one receivers one a play calling two offensive line three. The offensive line get a lot of bad, a lot of uh, they they get it because they deserve it sometimes. But sometimes they give Kaya a clean pocket, and it's like he's seeing ghosts. He no, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, I mean, it, it, the numbers, the numbers don't support that. When Kaya, how many, a, how many listen, yards did he listen, have against Virginia Tech? Second. When Kaya has a clean pocket and can no. throw, he's an NFL quarterback. He completes seventy percent of his passes. He's got a Years. great pass rating. It's when he is rushed that he falls apart. Gears. If I, if if if, if I didn't have Tebow, and I didn't watch them games, and I didn't record them games. You could tell me that. Listen to me, Gear. I need you to watch these games and watch when Kaya has a clean pocket. Sometimes he has a clean pocket and he misses. He holds the ball. He's not a good quarterback is supposed to throw the ball as his receivers are breaking open. He's waiting until they are open, and that extra one to two seconds is when he's going down. I saw if he threw for 300 yards against Virginia Tech, he should have threw for five. I watched the game and I was like, on on some of those vertical routes that we talking about that shouldn't have been called, dude. Our receivers was breaking open and he held the ball and it's like he was looking for the contact to come. But if he would have let the ball go as his receivers were going to beat Virginia Tech receivers because they were going to beat them, he wouldn't let the ball go. And here's then, where I'll agree with you. I, I think he's got the crap beat out of him in the last two weeks. And and I think it has affected him mentally. I'll I'll agree with you on that. But 
But yeah, typically, but... when you give him time, he's an accurate passer. He is accurate. Like I said, he's not letting it go when they're breaking. He's letting it go, letting it go when they're open, and he can't do that. He has a strong arm to do what he's trying to do. He needs a Stephen Morris arm. That's what he needs, and he doesn't have it, and that's why it's always a little bit late. Okay, I'm going to get off that. Okay. Second of all, our receivers drop way too many passes here. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know if it's somebody put a jinx on us. Or heck, I don't know. They drop too many passes. Third, let me ask you a question, man. As good as Richards is with the ball in his hands, as fast as he is, how can we be at game seven, all almost going on game eight? Have we run one wide receiver reverse all year long, dude? I, I don't So how do we play a whole football, half football season, and not one reverse? Not even one. Mark Rick's play calling is, he looks like a guy who's rusty, who's calling plays for the first time in a long time. Another thing, when a coach is calling plays on the sideline, which he is, normally it's the offensive coordinator calling from the booth. When a coach calls from the sideline, he has veteran eyes in the booth telling him what he's seen. Who are our veteran eyes who know offensive football that's up in the booth? Who? <laughs> you know what? Who? I think you're, I think this point you're making is a great point, and it's something that I've thought about. You know, who's helping Mark Richt? Um, you know, John Rick's up in the booth. He's not a veteran guy no. or by any stretch no, of the imagination. Of they, they, um, they agree. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure how much he's going to help his dad. Um, I understand what's going on with him. I understand how he's, you know, he's being groomed and and he and he and he's learning and he's he's coaching the quarterbacks with his dad and all that. But who's helping Mark Richt when when when, it be, when it's nut crunching time and and you got to figure out what the defense is doing and you got to come up with exactly. a winning play. Exactly. Uh, you know, Dugans is on the sideline helping with the receivers. I'm not sure he's positioned to be that guy. Thomas Brown, even though he has the title of offensive coordinator, he was a running back coach last year, um, man. He, he's written, no, he's really the running backs coach. I mean, you know, this is Mark Rick's show on offense, and, and, and I'm not sure he doesn't need help. And, and that's one of the tough decisions that I think he's going to have to make here as things move forward with him in this program. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, he, you know, Dave Wanstead, I thought, made a great comment the other day when he said, you know, Mark Rick hasn't called plays in a long time. It, it, you know, exactly. It, it, it looks that way. It, it, Game has changed. Defenses are different. And, you know, I'm not sure that he couldn't benefit from having a veteran offensive coach on his staff uh, to help him with the offense. So, um, how he sees it, you know, it's not like it's open for conversation. Um, but, but I totally agree with you. It's one of the things that I've seen, and I think it's one of the tough decisions that he's going to have to make after the season is over. Um, you know, if he could, if he takes a step back and looks at the whole spectrum, honestly, he's going to have to decide do I have what I need here. I, I love the staff. I like the staff. I think he's got some very good coaches on the staff. I think they've upgraded the upgraded the staff uh, significantly. And, you know, it, it, he's not going to have to make a lot of adjustments, I don't think. But um, this is something yeah, he, I, I I think you're making a great point, and I think it's something that he's going to have to. Look at. Yeah, man. Like I said, man, if he had a, a – even if he doesn't want to relinquish play calling, at least have somebody up in the booth looking down on the field who knows what he's looking at, who actually knows, okay, this is what I'm seeing on a regular basis. 
We have nobody in that in that in that role. Okay, man, I'm 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 gonna leave Mark Rick alone. But 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 it's his first man, go round in this program. You know, I, know, I mean, and it's his first it, time coaching Kaya. I mean, you know, the whole thing's new. And when you play when you play game three games in twelve days like they did, it's hard, man. It's hard to. When you, when you haven't been with this with this group and you don't have everything well oiled, uh, it, 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 it the, the game come very quickly like that, you know. It, yeah, just just be a little more creative, man. Just be. I mean, like I said, man. He it's like our plays are so bland. It looks like uh, football one on one. The first plays you learn on the first first day of practice, and we're not. There's no wrinkles. It's almost like there's no wrinkles in what we're doing, and it's like. I'm going to leave it alone, man. Let me ask you a question, man. Have you ever seen a quarterback that goes down when somebody touches his foot? You ever seen that? Kaya has zero lower body strength. I don't know what he's been doing for three years in Miami, but he ain't lifting no leg weights, buddy. Actually, you know, no, his, his, his legs are pretty developed, believe it or not. Yeah, but, but, but when somebody touches his foot, what happens? It's like he never steps out of a tackle and makes something happen. He, I'm not saying run like Michael Vick. I'm saying step out of a tackle when somebody has you by your feet. When somebody touches his leg, he goes down. It's the most amazing thing in the world. You know what, yeah, Gary, man? Just watch <laughs> it. It, it. It looks almost like he's holding the ball and he cringes and he waits for the contact to come instead of, like we said, throw the ball away, man. So, and, and, and we don't we don't use our personnel right, man. We never use that fullback. We we keep – I love Berrios, man. I love Mer- Malcolm Lewis. Two things I'm going to say, and I'm going to get off this phone, man. I love Berrios, and I love Malcolm Lewis because he was a great – he was a good player before he got hurt, man. But listen to me. Berrios, they're playing Berrios when they should be playing Herndon and Njoku at the same time. First of all, they should be, for one, protecting our offensive line, and two, putting the best players on the field who can succeed. Two, why is Malcolm Lewis our primary kick returner? I don't know. I, I can't explain that one either. Dude, we got 60. Now we're down to 60-some players. You can't tell me nobody on our football team can be a better primary football returner than Malcolm Lewis. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, man, and I, I, don't, I don't like to even say it because it's Florida State, but as good – sometimes in a game, even when you're in a, a good game with a good team – and you feel like your team has all that NFL talent FSU had a few years ago. The reason they won a national championship is because they had a guy back there who ran a kickoff back and changed that national championship game. Sometimes you need that spark. And what spark does Malcolm Lewis give us back there if he gets his ball? He doesn't. I agree with you. I, I, I would like to see, you know, that that could be a great place to give Mullins a chance to do something. Yeah, man. Just, just like I said, just put the best players on the field, man. I know, I know we got. I know you dealt the bum hand. We got some bad offensive linemen, and we we don't have everything. And Kaye ain't mobile. But just, just try, kind of use what we have to get what we need to get. So I ain't gonna hold you up, man. You have a good night, man. And I'll talk to you next week, man. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. Let's go Thanks, to, man. let's go down to the three hundred five. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Is that me? That's you. Hi, Gary. This is Adam. What's up, Adam? What you got this week? A couple of questions. 
Um, and I know this is com- might be comparing apples and oranges, but I've been watching this team. Would you say this team is like the 98 or 99 team coming off the probation, just trying to get back to where it once was? Like not having the depth I mean, and all that. In- I know should football's be, different should be now. Better than, it should be better than that. Okay? I okay. mean – it's been a rough 12 days. I'm 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 very anxious to see what happens Saturday. Okay. And um, a couple other things. Um, I think a couple callers ago you were talking about Torrance Gibson. He's he was suspended for the year for academic reasons. He got right. kicked off in spring practice. Yeah, because he went because he wasn't playing football, so he went in the tank. Uh, yeah, I I actually saw Torrance at Heritage. Um, uh, let's see. It, it was last December, I guess, when he was in town during their break. And uh, yeah, I mean, the kid was a shadow of his former self. He wasn't very right. happy. He wasn't, you know, he hadn't played in a few years. He was lied to. But, you know, you you can't do that to kids. They go in the tank. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And a couple recruiting questions. Who was the offensive lineman that we recruited out of Orlando last year, and can he be a player down the road? In Rick's first class, it was a lightly recruited O lineman, and yeah, 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 no, 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 I know who you're talking about. Give me, just give me a second to give you his name. Oh my God, my, my, yeah, my mind's, uh, my mind's blank on it, but I'll, I'll give it to you here in one second. Um, I'll get it in front of me and give it to you right. But um, haven't heard much about him to be honest. You know, I, I, I don't know how quickly. He's going to develop or not develop, but he's you know it, it, it certainly hasn't been any anything to where uh, him potentially playing uh, this year was any type of uh, consideration. Okay, and um, any word on Leatherwood? Uh, I'm I wouldn't hold my breath there. I think he's going to go to Alabama. Uh, okay, so there's no chance of him decommitting because over the summer he seemed pretty interested in Miami. I mean, he was listening, but you know, I don't think Miami's having a good enough season to uh, to end up getting him. The kid that you're okay. talking about is, is Trey Johnson. Oh, okay. So, but I haven't heard much. To... I haven't heard much about how he's doing one way or the other. Um, you know, obviously he's he's not he's redshirting this year, which is a good thing. But whether he'll be ready to contribute next year, I can't answer yet. We'll have to see what he does in spring practice. Uh, okay, and a couple I mean, other right questions. Now, right now, he's just working on the scout team. Uh, okay, because I remember we recruited an O lineman. Yeah, he's and, the one. Um, okay, and a couple other questions. With Bruce being expelled or kicked off the team, do you see us going after Hartley now? Because don't they have that same build, that same like five A slot receiver build that they can t- that he can take over for Barrios after next year? Yeah, I think it opens it up for conversation. There, there, there's no doubt about it. Because you know, I don't, I I don't think know that the, they've pulled, I don't think they've pulled the trigger on that yet. But uh, but if Miami wants them, they they could probably get them. So my guess is what's happening right now is they're surveying the landscape. They're seeing what receivers out there uh, want to be recruited here down the stretch, and and then they'll make a decision. Yeah, because I think in the past, Hartley said he'd want to come to Miami and he'd consider yeah. flipping from West Virginia. Yeah, but they don't have to overcommit there too quickly. You know, they can, you know, you got to be careful. You, you, you know, you'd like, in an ideal world, quite honestly, you would like to be able to reach higher than that. 
No, I mean, so, my concern is, um, I think he's an Army All-American, but um, the well, thing with Hartley receiver. is... He's a small receiver. Oh, uh, okay. You'd, you'd, prefer to have is, bigger, you'd prefer to have bigger uh, receivers. Uh, okay. You'd rather have Tracy Coley than Mike Harley, is what I'm saying. Uh, okay. You'd rather have the, yeah. you'd rather have Devonta Smith. You know, so we'll, we'll see. But, okay, but I, couple, I do think I do think by the end of the day that that he could factor in. Okay, and a couple other questions: How's Cager's rehab going? Because he would well, have been a huge well. part of this year's offense. Yeah, it, it's he, going. Well. He he's he's bouncing around pretty good. He'll be ready to go for spring ball. Okay, and um, did um, a couple other questions. Did the Edwards decommitment have anything to do with Carter committing? Because it seemed like they happened one right after the, the, the other. Timing, Carter yeah, the, the, ti- the timing was, was, was very coincidental. Um, so it might have. No, okay. But, yeah. but, if, but if, it did, if it did, I would say good riddance because kids that don't want to compete, you don't want on your team. Uh, okay, and um, you don't want a kid coming on your team that's worried about not being able to compete with another kid. Yeah, okay. Um, and a couple other questions: Do you see Billy Gibson making um, having a role next year in the secondary, or do you think he I, was I he's a redshirt candidate? It's way until he gets into into school and starts working out and is out there, and you see where he's at. You can't possibly have an opinion on that. I mean, I could. I could take a kid like DJ Dallas, who's an elite mm-hmm. player. I can very comfortably tell you I think he's going to play as a true freshman, but I can't do that yeah. yet with Billy Gibson. Billy Gibson. Could you do that with Bandy? Like, I mean, I know yeah, Bandy's I, on the I, smaller I, I side. Very, I would feel comfortable saying Bandy will play next year, yes. Because okay. you know why? Bandy, even though he's small, Bandy has heart. You know, he has, he brings, he has, a, he's a competitor. And he's got heart, and and that's the kind mm-hmm. of kid that 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 you know they'll be able to use. No, okay. Um, and um, last question: Do you see um any other like DBs we're going after? And also, do you think why um will get Wilder, or do you think he'll go to Auburn? When all I don't know. Wilder's getting a lot of pressure to leave town from his family. Uh, they they really want uh, him to leave. They want him to get away from South Florida and experience other things. And, you know, his heart is kind of saying Miami, uh, his aunt, who he lives with, and his grandma want, want yeah. him to go leave town. So who's going to win out in the end? I don't know. Okay. But there would be a spot for him in this class if he decides yeah. to connect. Yeah, they, 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 they want him, but it's taken him an awfully long time, and he keeps telling us. He's honest with us. I mean, he keeps telling us how his family wants him to leave. So, yeah. Uh, okay. And last thing, um, I remember like a couple years ago we got like Gunter out of the JUCO ranks, right? Wasn't uh-huh. he in JUCO? Yes. Um, but um, so, do you think we'll see potentially another, like we'll go after a DB with JUCO experience or even I, a I grad like, transfer like Colbert? I would love to see it. I, I I would love to see them add, you know, three or four JUCO kids to this team during the off season. I, I think they need it. I think they need an injection of a little bit of an older kid that can play. But but you got to make them count. You know, JUCOs okay. that can't play that end up just sitting on your bench. Or, that's a waste of time. That's a waste well, of time. Well, there's a, a scholarship. There's a, 
a JUCO kid who was interested in Miami, I either read it on Rivals or another site, who came from Alabama and played there as a freshman. I think his name is Sheffield. And honestly, I wish I could remember his name, but a kid like that who played at Alabama and is now a JUCO would be a great yeah. find for there, us. There are some good JUCOs out there. Yeah. You know, you just but you got to be able to get the good ones and not just get not just take a JUCO for the sport of it. Uh, okay. Well, so the JUCO that's just take... taking space up is no good. Yeah, definitely not. And I mean, hopefully this will be a rebound year and. Uh, I wish the NCAA would add the 10th coach because I think somebody even like Brian Schottenheimer, I don't know what his relationship with Rick is after last year would be a great thing or move uh, John Rick to like offensive grad assistant. Well, that's not going to happen, but you know, I I mean, uh, again, I, I think, I think Mark really likes having John around. I think John's obviously learning a lot and and his development as a coach is very important to his father. And all that, you know, the yeah. tough decision that I see Mark Richt having to make is does he have enough schematic expertise on the staff? I mean, he's got good coaches. Okay. I, I like Dugans. Um, you know, I like Stacey Searles. I, I like Thomas Brown. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you want to lose any of those guys. Um, but I think it's a legitimate question is does Mark Richt have enough schematic experience that can help him and support his play calling efforts. And, and yeah. that's a decision that he's going to have to make uh, going forward, in my opinion. Yeah, because the defensive staff looks fine with Manny Diaz and Banda and Rumps and um, Kuligowski. Yeah, they're doing a great job. Okay. Well, thank you for taking my call. Have a great show. No sweat. Thank you for being part of the show. Thank you. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We're in the home stretch of the show tonight. If you want to get on, hit the number one on your keypad. Let's go now to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up, BK? Hey, what's up, BK? How are you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. Uh, Gary, um, this year kind of reminds me of it, and I remember you saying it like, Back then, you know, like Ja'Cory Harris's last year, and you said that they just should have started Stephen Morris that year. Mm-hmm. It it played in the in the development of Stephen Morris by not starting him that last year. I think we may get into the same situation with Kaya next year. If, if Nikozi Perry comes in and develops as quickly as I think he's going to, yeah. um. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I just, I don't see the offensive line situation getting any better. I don't see how Kaya can be the level of quarterback that he wants to be behind this offensive line. So we'll see. Right, and that's and that's a great point because that's not to say that Nikosi Perry is a better quarterback than Brad Kaya. That's not to, because like it doesn't matter who's on the squad next year. In terms of quarterback, I don't think anybody will be a better quarterback than Brad Kaya, but based off of the situation we have on offensive line, I think it'll be best for Kaya to cut and run, and I don't think Rick is going to try to any way convince him into staying. Well, we don't know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there's an – well, you know, it would be tough. It would be tough knowing that if you have, you you know, a guy like Terry coming in, 
And, and you know, things aren't going to change that drastically unless they could land, a, you know, like maybe two or three stud offensive linemen from the JUCO ranks like we were just discussing. Then then you might see a different Brad Kai. I mean, there's – I mean, Brad Kai does have some deficiency, so to say. But just like, uh, you know, someone was telling me that, you know, like the NFL draft is a projection of talent most of the time. You know, there are very little short things in the NFL draft. And not to say that Kai is a short thing, but he's a very highly projected guy in the NFL draft. And I think if he has a chance to go pretty high, whether that be second round or first round, I think he needs to cut and run. Yeah, I, I don't you know, disagree. I, you know, I, hey, right, if I, I were him and I'm taking the beating that I'm taking and it doesn't look to me like it's going to be a whole lot uh, a whole lot different next year. Uh, I think it's got to be something that he strongly considers. Even if he, if, yeah, even if it the, turns out that he's not a first round pick. I like, you know, like it's hard for a guy to just where everybody haven't projected, you know, in the first round and then for him to just drop drastically. I mean, quarterbacks don't fall that far off in terms of the NFL draft. He'll still get drafted fairly high. I mean, if I had to choose between him and Geno Smith right now, I'd choose Brad Kaya, you know, living in New York watching the Jets, it's like it's 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 bad. You know, it's bad. And if I had to choose, I'll choose Brad Kaya. And Brad Kaya to me was was a better quarterback than Geno Smith ever was. Geno Smith just happened to have landed in a great system that played to his strengths, you know. But yeah, you know, like uh you know, like everyone is upset and everyone is kinda down. You know, yeah, I was kinda feeling the same way about Brad Kai, but when I but when you watch him make some of those throws, like that last throw he did with Stacy Coley, um, and Stacy Coley just couldn't get his feet in bounds. That was a that was an NFL throw. Yeah. And 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 the two he made in the Florida State game were NFL throws. I mean, and he, a, when, if, NFL if, throws. if you protect him if you protect him and just, and let he's him sit lethal. there he he's a very good he's passer. Lethal. Yes. He, but but, but lethal, he brings he's a down lethal passer under pressure. He breaks just breaks down and it's something he's gonna have but to work can't on. The kid was shell shot. Yeah. The kid is shell shot. He's getting he's getting, getting knocked killed. over left and right. And sometimes, you know, like the caller was saying, does he exercise his legs because who falls by them just tapping your legs? Sometimes you're just scared at things that aren't even there and you panic because you're getting hit so much. Yeah. You know, like you're getting hit so much that sometimes there's no rush, but you think a rush is coming, and then you just find a way to screw it up. You know, like the poor kid is shell-shocked. You know, like I feel bad for the kid, but our offensive line is really bad. But I don't know, but, you know, like you were saying, this Saturday is going to be a great indication of what kind of play caller that Mark Rick is because, you know, like you said, he has 12 days, and, like, you know, like the deficiencies that are glaringly obvious is like, you know, like you, you got to go with a two uh, two tight end sets or maybe three tight end set or bringing a bringing a fullback or something. If he's getting beat up like that, you know, why not have uh, three backs in the backfield? You know, if you want to run that badly, like Mark Rick does, if you want to run that badly, you know, like you know, these are things that have been done before that has proven to have worked in the past. So. Tr- you know, like, what do you have to lose, you know? Yep. All right, you, you got a 286-pound fullback. No, no, that's pretty much it. I'm just a little worried that if we lose on Saturday, we could lose every game after that. Technically, because cause, cause we have a mark on our back going forward. 
Yeah, I, I, I think Saturday is a huge game for the last stage of the season. I, I, I don't know about losing every one, but you know, I think they could win every one too. It needs to swagger back. Right now, it's a beaten down team physically and mentally. They've had ten days in between games to to heal their wounds and and get themselves mm-hmm. refreshed. And they had a good practice today. The coaches were really happy. And 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 I just think mm-hmm. that if they could go to Notre Dame and it's going to be a great environment and 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 a big game on national TV. And if they could put a good game together and find a way to come out of there okay. with a win. It, it could re- revitalize these kids a little bit. You're 100% they, right. They at the end they of the need. day, it's still Notre Dame. Yeah, they need it. You know, they need they need something to revitalize. They need a good game like that to revitalize them. So we'll see. I hope I hope they do yeah, it. So, yes, and we need it. We need it bad. And granted, Notre Dame is bad, but it's still Notre Doesn't Dame. Matter. You know, you, you know, it's, like. Notre you know, they, Dame, they play the, you know, they play the turn Notre Dame season game. around if Notre Dame wins. You know what I'm saying? Like, this this win might turn Notre Dame season around if Notre Dame wins. So this is a, a big game for everybody, you know, because Notre Dame, they win this game, they can still make uh, a bowl game, so to say. Not to say that it'll be a good bowl game, but they're dangerously close to not making a bowl game at all. And by yeah. us losing on Saturday, it's going to be tough. It's, we have Pittsburgh, we have Duke. Duke wants us bad after last year. And we and you know Virginia Tech. I mean, and Virginia always gives us a fight for some strange reason. Well, but for some reason, special. we can't beat Virginia. You know, we can't. Well, let's beat see Virginia. what happens. So one, at pull, one, one, yeah, yeah, one at a time. One. Yeah, let's pull out Saturday. Saturday would be a, good, a nice kickstart for us, and yeah. we should make a pretty. I know you can't win all game. Five, all right, Gary. That. Yep, got to win this Saturday. All right, give us a call next week. We'll talk about it. Let's go to the five hundred one. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? This is Alex, man. How are you? What's up, Alex? How you doing this week? Man, I'm good. Listen, I had called you last week, man, and we were talking. I know everybody was griping, and I was too. And um, well, I was talking to you about uh, adjustments. And I was telling you, man, that I kind of expected more from a veteran coach. And um, it came to mind again this weekend when I was watching Ole Miss play. And uh, one of their offensive linemen got hurt. I think he was a junior. And uh, they had to put in a true freshman. And uh, a true freshman was highly touted and highly thought of, but he still wasn't ready to play, man. And the first few plays, he whiffed. And, man, it was just, you know, lights out. They were hitting Chad Kelly. But the coaches went ahead and adjusted. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring that up and ask you is, I mean, to me, tight end translates a little bit better to offensive line than it does to defensive line because your tight end is asked to block, and we all know Dobart was asked to do a lot more blocking than catching. reason why I bring that up is, to me, I know in the past we've trans, uh, translated tight ends over to the offensive tackle. So I'm just wondering, you know, surely he could have been better at, at blocking then he would be playing defensive tackle. And I was interested to get, you know, your thoughts on that. Uh, I didn't understand. Uh, I, I'm i hoping, and I didn't check on it today, but I'm, I'm hoping that, that that was just a one-week emergency thing because their numbers were so down um, going up to Virginia Tech. I, I, I see zero point in moving Stan Dobard to defensive end for a month of the season. It just makes no sense to me. Uh, 
I'd like to see him used as a, as a blocker more. I, I, I don't disagree. Uh, I, the thing that surprised me a little bit is that the, the Hurricanes don't seem to have a very deep playbook uh, and don't seem to have a lot of variation and, and, and options at, at their disposal. And uh, I don't know why that is. Um, maybe they do have it, and Mark Rick has just chosen not to use it. Um, I, you know, I, I thought that they would use a lot more to, you know, two tight end and and take advantage of those guys and things like that. So, you know, get Stan Dobart in and, uh, to help the offensive line a little bit at times uh, on passing downs. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, I'm expecting some adjustments on Saturday. I'd be shocked if okay. there's no adjustments. Well, I don't think I don't I don't think it could be as bad as it was, and you can just say, okay, we're gonna, we're just going to make this better and go out and do the same thing because uh, they kind of did that in the Carolina and Virginia Tech games, and uh, their season went down the tubes with it. So uh, I'm expecting Mark Rick to make some adjustments this weekend. Okay, um, a couple other things I wanted to ask you because it's been brought up tonight, and you know, actually, it's been there the whole season, but nobody has really just thrown it out there about uh, John Rick. Now, as, with him, you know, not being really experienced, my my thing is, okay, just besides being Coach Rick's son, what is he bringing to the table? Because, I mean, if you're not going to be able to provide anything recruiting-wise, I hadn't heard of anybody that he's, like, you know, really recruited, you know, and, and, and owned. And then I hadn't heard anything, you know, obviously by the way the offense is performing scheme-wise, it doesn't seem like he's bringing very much to the table scheme-wise. So my question is, other than being Coach Rick's son, what is he bringing to the table? Well, I mean, you know, Coach Coach Rick would tell you that, he, you know, he's a young coach, so I'm developing. Um, okay. You know, well, the, the, here's, the, here's the question that we've been discussing on, on this show tonight and I think will be something that he'll have to consider if the offense doesn't get drastically better is can he afford to do that, you know, or does he right. need to get him a veteran offensive mind that can help him schematically both during the week in game planning for games. And then on game day as another set of eyes up in the box that has been around the block a little bit. Okay. Well, I was just wondering because I was wanting to see get your take on it because I know Coach, it, it was kind of like a really good fit for both of us at the same time. You know, I just, from what I've seen, I, I'm not going to say Coach Rick is not a good coach because obviously he, had, he is and he's had a tremendous amount of success. But I just like the rah-rah type guys. And I was looking, you know, I watch them every week. And, you know, college season for me is not good when my team is not playing well and we haven't been well really good for a long time. So I'm the brunt of a bunch of jokes. But the thing is, when I'm sitting there watching North Carolina, man, their coach is intense. He was coaching that game like it was the last game they were going to play because it seemed like he knew what was on the line. I'm not saying Coach Rick wasn't, but you see him on the sidelines, I – I'm not seeing any type of, hey, man, I'm jumping down people back when you get personal fouls. I mean, I guess I'm just – I just like guys like that. 
because I just I just think, man, you gotta you gotta come yeah, up with it. Yeah, but you know what? But that that's a personal preference. I, you you don't have to be like Larry Fedora to win in college football. I mean, you don't see Nick Saban doing that. Yes, you do. You see Nick Saban cuss Kiffin out while they up thirty. Yeah, yeah, but you don't see him. He's not all rah rah and stuff during the game. I mean, you know, he he's pretty under control. I mean, every now and then. Um, but I don't I don't think that that's a prerequisite to winning. Like that, you have to be like that. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying it's a prerequisite. But what I'm saying is, you know, you just kind of like, man, it it just seemed like they they wanted it more. I mean. You know, we had, it wasn't like we couldn't have beat Florida State, but it looked like, you know, man, Jimbo took it to another level when he saw the game was about to be out, out of the, out of hand, man. He went to another level, and he started making adjustments. Eh, he, they they hit a couple plays. Come on, Miami played great man, in that game. Miami could have won that game more. Gary, I'm feeling what you're saying, man, but hear me out. He did a good job. He, but, their but quarterback it was, it was, it was took two or three plays. Hold on, man. That quarterback took a beating, and you saw him start rolling that quarterback out, getting him out of the pocket. Man, Norton was killing that guy. That guy took a beating, and they started rolling him out, doing throwbacks. They got him out of that pocket. That's what but I mean no, by the – The thing I don't understand is why haven't we seen that since the Florida State game? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, I, that that's my only question. You know why? Why was the level of play so much higher in that game than in the North Carolina and Virginia Tech games? Well, for one, we don't have the depth to come to come because once those, like you said earlier, once those guys start getting hurt, we didn't. We don't have the depth where the quality that, of play is. I think they just got good. so beaten up in that game. It, it it's taking three weeks to recover. Let, we'll, let's see how they play Saturday. I I, okay, I just think man. everything. I think everything. Everything comes into crystal clear focus on Saturday. You know, having the extra couple of days off gives them time to heal. They shouldn't be physically beaten up the way they were in these other games. I mean, it's those were three hard games in twelve days. You know, it's, okay, it's well, not an it's not it's not you. an excuse, but they weren't a good enough football team to handle it. I'm gonna ask you this, and I'm gonna hang up. Leave me on, and I want to hear your response because right now we're at a crucial point where. Recruiting is start is starting to affect our recruiting. So, not really. Okay, so not if, yet. We, if we lose this game, it'll it, it, I all agree. night. If we yeah, lose this game and we I agree. hit a tailspin, if we lose this game and hit a tailspin, what's gonna happen with these recruits that we got lined up and committed? Yeah, you can't you can't go six and six. It would start to affect recruiting, and right now you know they're okay. still having a hard time on the nationals front. So, okay. Yeah, a a well, win on Saturday would help a lot. Call, you got to give it a call next week. Call. I'll see you next week. You got it, man. Thanks for calling. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. If you want to get in this evening, now is the time to hit the number one on your keypad as we sit here and bring her home. Let's go to the nine five four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah. Yes, sir. How important is this game for Notre Dame? I'm asking you. This is Black Cane. I think it's bigger for Miami than Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's in the tank. <laughs> you know, two and five, what are they playing for? They're playing for nothing. I think Miami's playing to get their season back on track. 
So you're saying it, 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 it's it's important to get the season back on track. What I'm saying is this, though, Gary. I'm a diehard Kane fan. And, and the only reason why I'm watching the games that we, we are playing right now, not only because I love the Kings, it's because how young the defense and, and inspiring the defense is playing. You have to want to watch and think we're in every game from the get-go from how the defense is playing. Am I right with that? With, with saying that, Gary? Yeah, I would agree with that. Virginia okay. Tech got away. Um, Virginia Tech just got away. I'm, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you, Gary. I, I, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go on a, on a limb and say all of the losses. I hate to say it. I hate to. I I hate to say it. It's just. Bro, I hate to say it. And 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 what's sad is you love it because you said, Oh, we're young, we could have beat all of those three teams. But like you say, Mark Riff has never been in the ACC. He's been an SEC type team. We're running is dominant most of the time in that league. I just don't want to get into that into that. I I don't want to get into that. Not just Mark Rick, you know, also like M- Manny Diaz is seeing all these teams and defending them for the first time too. Yeah, but guess what? Manny Diaz was with uh, Mississippi State, where they were a spread type team, and he had to be—he's—he's he's making a name for himself. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying he you doesn't know, know he, what he's doing. I'm just saying you know that right, every coach right. has their own little nuances and ways that they like to call games and do things. And when you play three games in 12 days, it, it, it's a tough prep, man. It, it, it just is. It's, <laughs> you're like right. I said, it's not, it's yeah, not an excuse. Listen, you're right. You're not an excuse. No, not an excuse. You're right. You got, you got, you got to play right. the schedule you're right. given to you, and you, and you, and you got to win, okay? It's not an excuse. But, but what I'm saying right. is, at the same time, you know, this – these guys have had a lot of things to overcome with a team that's not a complete team, that's not a great team, uh, that doesn't right. have a lot of doesn't have a lot of depth. Right. Like it, it, that's why I say Saturday all bets are off. There's no there, there's none of that. They've had ten days you're right, off. You're right. You're right. Ten days. And, off I, and I think I have two Yeah, I mean you have ten days to do a lot of self scouting, a lot of self analysis, a lot of introspection. Uh-huh. Um, right. You know, take, take your blinders off. See where you're good. Right. See where you're bad. Adjust your play uh-huh. calling. That's enough time to do everything you need to do. And that's why I'm saying Saturday tells all, in my opinion. And Gary, you know, and, and and to be honest with you, Gary, I'm with you. I'm with you on that because you know what? what? At the end of the day, they're young. Everybody's everybody. When you look at it, everybody's first year. Everybody. And Mark Ritt, the the thing we expected so much of him, we expected the offense to be exactly where they were last year, even first year with Jacoy with Whip. You know, they go into Tallahassee and beat Florida State. But evidently what Mark Rick is calling 
is not conducive to the line we have. You get what I'm saying though? It's it's like it's like it's you got you got a whole perfect storm. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, but he didn't see but he didn't start to really see that until the Florida State game. And then and then, you know, you're okay, that was Florida State. We had some good moments. You know, then it gets a little bit worse against Carolina. And then it really came crashing down against Virginia Tech. So it, he's been kind of like, you know, hit with this pretty quickly in rapid fire succession. And that's why I say, well, now he's been hit with it, and now he has time to adjust. And that's why I want to see what he comes up with on Saturday. I'm with you. Okay, okay, okay. So I want to ask you this, Gary. This is the last Mark, two things. It's Mark Rick's game, you know, Saturday. What can he come up with to allow this offense to have success against a Notre Dame team that's been floundering, that's fired their defensive coordinator, has gone to an entirely new defense here over the last couple of weeks. You know, what can Mark Rick come up with? Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you, and that's why I'm going to subscribe for another two years because I feel like then we'll know what we got, and I know what we got with you two. And and, and, and all that talk with um, Kaya, and this and that, he's a good quarterback. It's just the system, for some reason, it's just it's it's not the right system for for Kaya. You know, even when you look at the NFL, you see Brady. Brady is scrambling. Brady is running for two and three. You have to be able to extend plays. I don't. You don't have to be a well, dual threat. Kaya is never going to be able to extend plays. So the only system for Kaya is an offensive line that could protect him because he's never going to be able to wow. extend plays. Right? Wow. Wow. Don't you agree? It, 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 I, I'm with you, Gary. It seems that way, and I'm saying to myself, why? I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I haven't seen a quarterback that can just sit in the pocket and not extend plays win a championship. I haven't. Without a running game. I haven't seen it. <laughs> It's been but, a while. You know, I, yeah, it's been a while. I sit back and listen to you. I appreciate it, Gary. And, you know, I was on hold for a while, but I I, I appreciate everything you do. You know, caving now, Black Can, I appreciate it, bro. Thank you. You got it, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, guys, that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, we've cleared the board, so I want to thank everybody that called in and participated. Uh, tough time for Canes fans. You know, I think you could hear the pain in a lot of the callers' voices tonight. Um uh, People are really struggling with this three-game losing streak. Uh, don't really quite know what to say about it or think about it. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I think that it all starts to come into better focus Saturday because the team should be rested. It should be refocused. It's had a chance to take a deep breath and, 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 and regroup. And I'm looking for some new offensive wrinkles, possibly, that Mark Rick can bring to the table and kind of change the, the the mojo, so to speak, of what's been going on offensively. I, I'd like to see them, you know, work on their protections of Brad Kaya, so maybe get more aggressive on early downs and hit some plays down the field. And it um, should be an interesting afternoon in South Bend on Saturday. Um, so before I say goodbye, I'm going to go to one more call that just came in. Uh, let's go to the 239. You're on Kane Sport Live. Gary. You with us? What's up, Gary? Who's this? Bobby. 
Hey, what's up, Bobby? What you got? Talk to us, Bobby. Okay, I don't. I, I guess uh, <laughs> we won't even try to figure out what's up with Bobby. All right, guys. So anyway, Saturday afternoon, Notre Dame Stadium, three thirty. Um, we'll find out what the stamp is going to be with these 2016 Miami Hurricanes. Are they going to let their season go sliding down the tubes, or are they going to regather themselves and get some momentum going for the final stretch of four games that would allow them to finish with a nice, respectable um, eight or nine win season and go to a decent bowl game uh, where they'd probably be matched against a fairly decent opponent and add a little bit of intrigue to their postseason, and uh, then they can move on to next year. So thank you again to everybody that called in. We'll see how it goes, and I'll talk to everybody next Tuesday night. Good night, everybody.